This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we're here to talk about 80s and 90s media. Um, Don't forget to email us. Overdue Homework Podcast at gmail.com. Boom. Um, Trav, how are you today? I'm pretty good, Drew. How about you? Um, I'm pretty good. The winter weather is a flying. It uh, sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, here in full force where we live uh, in Minnesota. So, But what else would we expect, right? Yeah, you're always asking the updates on the house. Yeah. This is the part that sucks. Oh, <laughs> the yes. The snow removal. Yes, yes, yes. That is uh, one of the worst things that you could possibly have to deal with as yeah. a homeowner is yeah. snow removal. Because you can't put it anywhere. No. <laughs> There's nowhere to put it. <laughs> you can't put it anywhere. <laughs> That's good. Oh, uh, boy. Um, so, uh, since Silence of the Lambs came out in 1991, I want to talk about some domestic box office numbers from BoxOfficeMojo.com. Boom. Uh, number one in 1991 was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Nice. Uh, are you a fan? Yes, That's definitely. a great 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 movie yeah t2 i mean yeah <laughs> did you see t2 first before you saw terminator i don't think so i think i saw the first one first. i saw t2 first and then i went back and saw the terminator which you know is kind of a letdown when you go from t2 to terminator but they're both yeah, great movies yeah. they're both great movies um robin hood prince of thieves coming in at number two in 1991 kevin costner's robin hood prince of thieves i'm pretty sure that's what that one is mm-hmm. home alone home number, alone number have three. we done that <laughs> <laughs> and then here it is number four silence of the lambs uh, I like it. 129 million dollars some honorable mentions is The Addams Family, which I'd like to get to someday. That movie is, uh, I got some fond memories of that movie Definitely. from being a, from a kid. Um, number 10, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooh. Oh, that's coming sometime when the weather gets a little nicer. <laughs> <laughs> and then number 16, Kindergarten Cop. Oh, and then we I can't let you pass up this one because Man Bear Pig has suggested this, Hot Shots. Oh, yeah, Hot Shots. Because sure. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's a really good movie. Charlie yeah. Sheen does an awesome job in it. It's really funny. Um, of course, um, should I give you the textbook line from Kindergarten Cop? I would love to hear it. He's not a tumor. <laughs> He's not a tumor. Dominic down. <laughs> Uh, Curly Sue, do you did you ever watch that movie? Never saw Curly Sue. Uh, Kristen's a big fan of that one, so maybe we'll get to that one someday. Uh, that one made thirty three million dollars. Hey, thirty three million dollars in nineteen ninety one for a family drama thing. Great, good job. Great, good job, Curly <laughs> good, Sue. Good job. Um, in this uh, podcast, I use some articles from yardbarker.com, specifically an article by Chris Morgan, Hollywood.com, an article by. Staff. Staff. <laughs> um, Observer.com, an article by Billy Walker. VanityFair.com, Tracy Moore wrote that one. And then RogerEbert.com um, by Roger Ebert. I would like to read part of his uh, review because I'm a fan. Let's do it. Uh, the weak points of this movie are probably not very important, but there are some. But against these flaws are balanced true suspense, unblinking horror, and an Anthony Hopkins performance that is likely to be referred to for many years when horror movies are discussed. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. That's Agreed. why I read it. Yeah. <laughs> Go read the whole review. It's very good. Go read the whole review. That's at rogerebert.com. And of course, all the links to the articles will be in the show a notes. A show a notes. Show a notes. Um, so let's get on over to that uh, homework review. You ready for it, Trav? I'm ready. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, 1991. Thank you, Lauren, for the suggestion. Of course, the release dates were January 30th, 1991, which is my daughter's birthday, Boom. in New York City, February 14th in 1991. Uh, Valentine's Day, which we had talked about in the last podcast, seems like kind of a unique um, date to release Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, but even more unique is it was released in a area of time in the year that is affectionately called Dumpuary. Yeah. So it's a term that is used to describe January and February in the movie biz. Uh, basically, studios dump films that they think are going to be failures in this time because it's a low turnout time of the year. So they're like, right. eh, we'll throw it out there. So it is a rare, Silence of the Lambs is a rare dumpuary success. Nice. Um, obviously, <laughs> this movie was directed by Jonathan Demme. Uh, Gene Hackman was considered to direct the movie. Hmm. Interestingly enough, right? Yeah. Um, he had actually partnered with Orion to get the rights for the movie, and he was also planning to play Jack Crawford. Interesting. Um, could he have done it? Yeah. It would yeah. have been. It would have been maybe a different, uh, a lot more screaming and anger, maybe. From yeah. <laughs> like I like Hackman, but yeah. it's weird having seen this so many times to think of someone else being Jack Crawford. Uh, yeah. It, it would have been a unique experience. I don't think it would have been bad, probably. No. But he ended up withdrawing from the project. See you later, Gene. See you, Gene. Um, we got the screenplay and the original. Oh, the screenplay is by Ted Talley, and it's based on the book The Silence of the Lambs by Thomas Harris. It's starring Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling. The first choice was Michelle Pfeiffer. Damn. Um, second was Meg Ryan. Nice. <laughs> I like Jodie Foster, but man. Uh, for Meg Ryan, the movie was too grisly for her taste, so she said, see you later. Makes sense. Uh, Laura, Laura Dern was also suggested, uh, but she was not a big enough star at the time, apparently. So they said, nope. And then Jodie Foster, they were like, yep, we're going to use you, Jodie. <laughs> um, she wanted the role. She actually wanted the role. So unfortunately, she fell to number four, but she got the role, and thank goodness she did. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is Hannibal Lecter. Uh, when Hopkins' agent told him about the project, um, he thought it was a children's film. <laughs> what? <laughs> he initially thought it was a children's film. Yikes. <laughs> he was way off. Way off. <laughs> Not even kind of close. Not even kind of close. Scott Glenn as Jack Crawford and Ted Levine as a James Buffalo Bill Grumb. Gum. Gum. <laughs> it's I wrote down Grum for some reason. Grum. Yep. Shout out Grum shout from out, the Triple Falls Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we can't uh, move on without talking about the accolades for this movie. Um, it won all the awards. All the awards. <laughs> it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best ad Adapted Screenplay, um, and no other film has done it since. That's badass. Yeah, that's really cool, right? Yeah, uh, that's, that's super cool. That's very cool. Um, it also, uh, Jodie Foster also won Best Actress for in the Golden Globes. For the Golden Globes in the Golden Globes makes a lot more sense when you say it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie trailer, did you check out the movie trailer? I did not. Um, I did because it was at the, it was an option and the uh, Amazon Prime 
uh, when I watched oh, it. That's sure. how I watched it was on Prime. Sure. Um, and it's got the famous deep voice guy from all those 90s movie trailers. <laughs> yeah. you know? So I looked him up a little bit. Uh, his, his name was Don uh, Donald LaFontaine, and he was from uh, he was alive from August 26, 1940 to September 1st, 2008. So RIP, he's been dead for a while. RIP. Uh, more than 5,000 film trailers. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of television advertisements, network promotions, video game trailers. Hundreds of thousands of things he's lent his voice to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely incredible. And he's from Duluth, Minnesota. Boom. <laughs> How about that? That right? is super cool. And as a Minnesotan, I will never miss an opportunity to tell somebody that somebody else is from Minnesota. Nice. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> right. Um, and then the uh, the trailer is also in the links to the show in the show notes if you would like to see the trailer. Um, yeah, so we are ready for that review. It looks like I can't wait to get on to that review. Can't wait to get on to that review. So the movie opens up in the woods near Quantico, Virginia. The whole opening had a very hardcore Twin Peaks feel to me. Um, I did look it up. Twin Peaks series ran from 90 to 91. This movie came out after the series. Yep. The series was wildly successful and wildly popular. So I feel like that was probably an intentional thing. Like so much so like the text looks the same. The uh, the like the foggy woods that it opens up on. Like it yeah. just is all very, very similar to Twin Peaks. And um, that would be a very interesting um, adventure to partake on this podcast. Twin Peaks. Yes, it would be a very interesting adventure. I don't know if we could do it. <laughs> it's one way to find there's out. There's only one way to find out. Um, but the movie opens up with Clarice training. Uh, she's in full makeup and pearl earrings. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Why wouldn't she be? <laughs> Uh, that first shot of her running gives you a sense of urgency that like runs through the whole movie, N- not mm-hmm. to make a pun, but like it really keeps up that whole uh, sense of emergency, sense of urgency through the whole movie. So I really like that when it was following, when the camera was following her feet in that opening sequence. That yeah. was really cool. Um, Starling gets uh, called to Crawford's office. And so on her way to the office, to Crawford's office, we get uh, gunfire. We get rope climbing. Uh, (laughs) It kind of feels like a James Bond supervillain hideout a little bit, right? Definitely, yeah. Some of those aspects of the movie are kind of corny and a little bit funny. Yeah. Uh, They didn't stand out in 1991, I don't think, but they kind of stand out now just because it's been mocked so much. Yeah. Um, But it still gives you an idea that she is at the... uh, at the FBI, you know, and she is uh, there to train and she is there uh, to uh, uh, hone her skills, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, we get that cool uh, dude elevator scene. Uh, it's a comedic moment, right? To relieve a little bit of tension immediately. Yeah. Um, it is interesting how they all stare at her immediately and they're all just like, who the heck is this chick? What, yeah. are, you, what are you doing in this elevator full of dudes? <laughs> <laughs> Those you work here? <laughs> those doors really slam on that elevator, too. Yeah. It's like, bam! <laughs> uh, but now, finally, in Crawford's office, we get the, a first look at those gruesome crime, crime scene photos from the Buffalo Bill murders that we have to, I mean, assume that that's what that is. Um, it's our first taste of gore, and it's yeah. not going to be our last serving of gore. Certainly not. <laughs> 
Um, when Crawford does get there, he's really showering her with compliments. Oh, yeah. Um, he is in love with her. He's not, in love with her. Not like legitimately in love with her, but he is really into who she is and how she does her thing. Hello, legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's um, trying way too hard right away. Yeah, and even... M- so much so that he remembers her from a seminar that she attended at the University of Virginia. Yeah. She must have, I mean, she made a, jig, a big impression on him by, you know, grilling him about their, their record, the FBI's record during the Truman era, right? Is that what he said? Yeah. Truman era, that's right. Um, he wasn't, he wouldn't have been old. He's too young to have been in the FBI during the Truman era, right? But right. he's probably a wealth of knowledge on that stuff. So yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. And... So one second, we gotta backtrack. Okay, I'm Jack Crawford is not the one I'm thinking of. Hello, legs. I'm thinking <laughs> no. of at, when we get to the spot with Hannibal Lecter. Uh, so yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Showing her with compliments. <laughs> yes, like making her feel like she's awesome at her job. Yes, actually being a good person. Yes, right now. Okay. <laughs> I was uh, jumping ahead. A yeah, bit. that's okay. I was kind of like, I might. And I was like, I'm not going to interrupt you because I, <laughs> I get it, right? Like, he is showering her with compliments. Right, right. Um, She's going to get her first assignment, though, in this scene. Yep. And it's Hannibal the Cannibal. <laughs> she And she obviously knows exactly who he is. Right. And, uh, so, um, but... Uh, Crawford does tell her that Hannibal's been very uncooperative and that she's kind of the last resort. Yeah. Like, this is our last ditch attempt to try to get something out of him. Yeah. Obviously, it's a ruse that we figure out a little bit later on, and she's not too happy about the fact that she was a blind player in the ruse, but yeah. um, that's that's the premise for her to go and see Hannibal, at least. Right. Uh, Crawford does warn her, uh, I want your full attention, Starling. Like, <laughs> she, she really does kind of stand up to attention, too. Oh, yeah. She's just like, yep, okay, full attention, right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't want her to deviate. Don't give Hannibal any personal information. She should have written that one down. Yeah. That's what I... <laughs> she, <laughs> she, she, she definitely... That was like right over the head on that one. <laughs> she should have written that one down. Definitely. Uh, and don't forget what he really is. And what's that? A monster. A monster. I love that transition when they go to the hospital and yep. how uh, Chilton says that. I love that transition. It's a... I mean, there was it was just a hard cut between scenes, but because there's that moment of dialogue, yeah. it works really good. I really like that transition. So, yep, we're at that Baltimore State Forensic Hospital, and Chilton is a total creep. Here we go. Hello, <laughs> legs. <laughs> this is what I was talking about. Hello, legs. He is you trying super hard. <laughs> uh, Baltimore is really a wonderful city. Yeah. Are you? How long are you here? Are you here overnight? <laughs> um, you can no. stay at my house. Yeah, you can stay at my house. <laughs> it's like he's learning a thing or two from some of his clientele, it almost seems like. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he's definitely around Migs too much. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to Migs. <laughs> Very shortly, we will get to Migs. Um, Lecter, we do find out that Lecter is basically Chilton's pride, prize possession. Like, he has a job because of Lecter. Yeah. And he doesn't want to give up anything with Lecter because he's his. He's right, mine. Right. I have the most notorious serial killer in America. And yeah. he's under my care. 
if you can call what he does care, I he, guess. He thinks I'm like his rival or something. Yeah, he his, says, yeah so. his rival, his, yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Not maybe because you're an ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, maybe because he is an ass. You know, that was something I was going to talk to you about before I uh, got into the podcast tonight. And we're going to talk about it right now, I okay. guess. Um, I think I feel comfortable making this our first explicit episode. Ooh, me too. L- okay, so basically we won't go overboard on the swears, but the swears are not going to be edited out from now on. It will be marked explicit on the episode in the description, so you're forewarned, I guess, from now on out this episode is you're, going... <laughs> you're forewarned. You're bleeping, bleeping, bleep, bleep, bleeping. <laughs> we'll try to keep it to a minimum. Yeah, so that son of a bitch, uh, Hannibal, <laughs> he's really in a pit. He's just like, he's like down some stairs... Down an elevator, down some more stairs, going through some more security. Going. That dirty son of a bitch. I just smashed my microphone. <laughs> I need to stop talking with my hands, I guess. Oh, man. We're getting too riled up. Getting now too riled we, up. Now that we know we can yeah, go let's, explicit. Let's, keep, let's calm it down a little. We'll get this under control. We'll be good to go. <laughs> All right. Take a deep breath. So like I was saying... Hannibal's really in a pit, and it's uh, pretty fitting that he is in a deep, dark hole. Like, yeah. That's probably where you would keep somebody like that, right? Yeah. All the way I, at the end. All the way at the end. Although, when you don't really notice it, there's that stairway. Yeah. I, as I said that, I was like, well, there is something there, but they never go that way. No. She always walks all the way down. Yes. And- when they have that first long shot when she looks down the hallway, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you can tell there's a stairway there. Oh, no. It but, looks pitch black. Yeah. But then when you get when she gets down there, there's the one shot yeah. where you see the stairway. And you're like, hmm. yeah, I don't get that. Like, if this is supposed to be this impenetrable, like, cell that he can't get out of, what if he does get out? He's just going to be like, see you later, guys. Do, yeah. do, do, do. Where does that stairwell go? Yeah. I mean, you know? maybe it leads to nowhere. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. We'll move on from we'll the stairwell. <laughs> um, uh, do you wish when they were on their way down that we could see that picture of the mutilated nurse? That uh, Yes. Every single time. Yes. I'm just like, I don't know if I used to think you saw the picture or what, but every time I look again as if I'm going to see it the next time I watch the movie. Right. And... Uh, the first time that I rewatched this, it had been um, many years since I'd watched the movie. Yeah. And I was like, what? Huh? Huh? Where's the picture? I yeah. want to see that. Yeah. I just saw some skinned lady a scene ago. I can't see this other lady's beat up face. Yeah. That is definitely weird. Maybe because he's so damn likable in this movie, even though he's a serial killer. Right. It's like not to get you against him right away. If you see that, you're like, okay, this dude's eating people's face. It's one thing to hear it, but if you see it, maybe you look at him more of a monster than you would normally. I guess, you know, the way Chilton talks about it, I Mm -hmm. can see it in my mind's eye. Like, what is what happened to this lady, or at least what I have an idea of what happened to this lady. True, and maybe this was the best way to give your own gory version of it in your head. I suppose. I mean, that's kind of a horror trope, right? What you don't Mm -hmm. see is almost more scary and gruesome than what you do see. Than what they could have done in 91, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. So I guess I just talked myself out of wanting to see the picture. Yeah, I don't even need to see that picture. (laughs) Don't even need to see that picture. I never wanted to see it in the first place. (laughs) Um, 
So I really liked once she gets into that last security room before she actually goes down to see Hannibal. Mm-hmm. I really liked that POV shot of her when she's looking around the whole security room and you see yeah. the the first gentleman and then the plexiglass and all the armaments and stuff. That's got to be for the whole place, right? Not just yeah. for the, okay. And then finally she gets like brought back to her senses by the other. Uh, I can't remember his name. Do you remember? Do you know his name? I it's not Barry. It might be Barry. We're going to go with Barry. We're going to go with Barry. (laughs) We're going to go with Barry. So, but she's like, he's like, hello. You know, like just kind of snaps her out of it. I really like that shot. It was really cool. Gets, gave us a really good idea of what was actually going on down there. So I thought that was pretty dang cool. Pretty dang cool. Um, what a walk down to Lecter's cell for the first time. My God. (sighs) Do you want to say it or should I say it? I can smell your cunt. Jeepers. Jeepers <laughs> is right. It's like 20 minutes into the film and we get a C-bomb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I I feel like I blew past that a lot of times watching it growing up for yeah. whatever reason and thought you couldn't hear it, but you're hearing it for the first time when she tells Hannibal what he said, but you can definitely hear it. Yeah, you can definitely hear it. He says it kind of weird, though. Like yeah. It almost sounds like cuss. Like he almost puts an S on the end. Yeah. So it's kind of weird. But then when she says it, boy, yeah. she enunciates that T. <laughs> she really hits that T on that yep. word. <clears throat> but we got that first meeting with Hannibal now. Um, Clarice and Hannibal only have four scenes together in this whole movie. That blows my mind, honestly. Uh, Hopkins is on screen for a little bit under 25 minutes of a two-hour movie. Talk about stealing a movie with only being in 20% of it. He stole the show, for sure. My God. Yeah, he stole the show. Um, That's just incredible to me. Anytime I've seen that fact or heard that fact that he's only in the movie for 25 minutes, he just leaves that lasting impression on you from the instant's you see him yeah. when she's coming down the hallway and she just comes. It's not really coming around the corner, but she just moves past the partition between the cells. And there and he, he is yeah, standing he, there all upright and proper. Yeah, and, like a freaking cobra yeah. ready to just strike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I was watching this thinking, and I'm going to challenge our listeners to email us yes. an answer to this at Overdue Homework Podcast. That I don't think of any other movie where somebody just takes over every ounce of being on the camera like Anthony Hopkins. Like every single, from the moment you see him, like you just described, I feel like he controls everything in the scene. Not only is he smart, but he's obviously an amazing actor. But Mm -hmm. the fact that he's a psychiatrist too makes it really believable. Yeah. So I just feel like he's toying with her from the very beginning. And she's incredibly smart. She I mean, is. Obviously, she's the hero in the movie yep. by the end. But man, is he good at he, what he does? It's pretty crazy how good Anthony Hopkins is at this character. Um, I did see in an article that he's kind of playing a character that he already played in like a play or something. Oh, okay. So he's had like practice at ble- being that type of character, I guess, or having those type of mannerisms. Makes sense. It, it makes sense. Um, but how you were saying how Hannibal really controls all the scenes, like, oh yeah, he is in control of like every situation that everything. he's in. Everything. Every situation. Yeah, not just, he's in. okay, he's amazing when he's on here, like Nicholson as right, Jack Torrance, right. but he is controlling everything. He's everything. like 10 steps ahead of everything. He knows his escape route, what he's going to do. He's toying with the 
I can't think of his name now, but uh, <laughs> Chilton. Chilton. Yeah. Got toying with Chilton. He's toying with Clarice. Everything. Yes. And, uh, and yeah. she and you said she should have wrote that down. Not saying anything personal. <laughs> I thought it was really weird that they didn't give her a fake name. Why is she using her actual name with him? Is is it because he's too smart and knows who she is? Well, the first thing he did was ask for her credentials. I suppose right. they could have forged some credentials, so, right? I mean, which basically they did because he calls her out on that, saying this expires in a week. So right. You're not, and she says, oh, I'm still in training. Right. So why'd they use her real name? Too? That is, just... that is in, an interesting point if they were so concerned. Unless Crawford is like... I know you're going to have to do this give and take through the whole movie yeah. and is just like, I don't know, saying it because he has to say it type of thing. I don't know. like, And I guess it makes it way more intense to be saying Clarice. Yes. Which is her actual name than, you know, her fake name being said by him every time he's True. on screen. So I guess that makes sense. It would have been awkward from a writing and acting standpoint if they interact with a different name for her just when they interact. Right. That's that would have been awkward. That's true. I, Okay, I that t- would have been. We're awkward. talking ourselves out of things here today, so just bear just, with us. Just bear with us. We'll talk ourselves out of a few more things before this show is over with. I promise you. Um, but like you said, just like uh, by looking at her badge, he knows that she's still just a trainee, and um, he's offended that Crawford sent a trainee. Yeah. You can see it in his face. There's a couple of times when you can see that he's legit offended, oh, yeah. or he like almost has remorse a couple of times. As we'll get to when we'll talk about that. We'll get to that. Even though he, I don't think he's capable of what you would call true remorse, right? Maybe he some things that Clarice says later on make him think twice about his path that he's chosen in life. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Although I'd say it's probably more of a compulsion than it is a choice. I, I would bet with him. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she leans right into it and says that she is a student. Um, they are their back and forth is really amazing in this. They're sizing each other up in this first thing. Um, it's really creepy how Lecter can smell what type of uh, lotion she uses. Oh yeah, and the prefer Evian skin cream, and then the perfume that she's not even wearing that day. Yeah, how does that even work? Like it's on her bag or something, right? I'm guessing. Yeah. Or I mean, she's got. You know, it could be on her coat. It could be whatever. on her coat. Like, yeah. Now, how do you think? Like, that's some real like superhero stuff. Oh, definitely. how how does how does that actually work in real life? How does that actually work? Because he's in this dank hole in the ground, basically, and it all smells the same. So when she does come down there, the new smell thing, where like you can really smell something that's different than your surroundings. So. I did as much as I like that he can do this superhero feat, like right. you're talking about. I did have a hard time comprehending. Why does he have a better sense of smell? Because he's a cannibal. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. Maybe I, maybe he's just that observant. They're trying to 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 put across there. It does you know, seem it like, does seem weird. Later with the your bleeding stopped thirty minutes ago or whatever. So, yeah, that's he, a little more believable, at least because he's a cannibal. So yes. like that kind of ties more. To, but the Evian skin cream and the perfume, yeah. It's, well. Any way you look at it, it's creepy. It's super creepy, <laughs> no matter what way you look at it. Any way you look at it, it is very, very creepy. Yes. <laughs> um, Clarice does uh, change the subject, though, very quickly and asks Lecter about his drawings. Uh, you did it all from memory? Memory is what I have instead of a view. I mean, that's uh, very, uh, like, to the point, like, this is my situation here. Yeah. So He is a very talented artist, though. Very apparently. talented. He is very... Uh, Fru fru la di da, right? Fru-fru. He's got some classical training and about everything it seems like. Yep. 
Um, she does almost match him in this scene for the for wit, for you know, for the tit for tat that I they're agree. going back and forth. She does almost match him until the point where she asks him to do the what the questionnaire. Yeah. Like and in a sense she is also wait clearly if this is the last like straw or the last chance they have, no one else has been successful, but she's like way ahead of her peers in understanding the more honest she is, the better it's gonna work for her with Hannibal. Yeah, and she figures that out very quickly. I mean, he calls her out and says, if you lie, I'm going to know. Right. When he asks her certain right. questions, and you believe it when yeah. he says that. Yes, definitely. So I, I think she makes a good choice by being so open and honest, even though he said, don't do that. Right. I mean, she has no other option, though. Right. She has no other option. Yeah. So it's kind of a facepalm moment, though, when she does ask him to do that that yeah. questionnaire. It's just, she's just like, uh, well, perhaps you'd care to lend us your view on this questionnaire. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. I'm not going to find the answer on that. And uh, no, but Lecter does quickly, uh, shut her down and basically just describes it as another desperate attempt by Crawford to track yep. down Buffalo Bill. Um, what a naughty boy. Uh, do you know why they call him Buffalo Bill? Please tell me the newspapers won't say, uh, this one likes to skin his humps. I don't understand the reference with Buffalo Bill. I searched it on the internet, and I don't understand the reference. Like, skin his humps? I mean, obviously, it's a dirty reference, I'm assuming, to sex, right? It's, it must be. I, I don't know. I really have no idea. I was like, Wild Wild West Buffalo Bill, skin his humps. Like, is it something for that? I just couldn't find a dang thing. And, and I then gave you were it. like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> delete, 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 delete. delete. <laughs> Clear history. <laughs> Clear history immediately. <laughs> Clear history. <laughs> that got me. That was good. I really liked that a lot. That was really good. Um, but uh, so Lecter then asks Clarice, why do you think he removes the skin of his victims? Right. He, Lecter asks Clarice yep. that. Um, Clarice says most killers keep some sort of trophy from their victims. And he says, I didn't. Mm-hmm. And she says, no, you ate them. Yeah. Just super matter of fact. Boom. And that's that instance where you see him like really checking what he did. Right. Like he's right. really thinking like, yeah, I, I did that. I, like I did. Eat them. I did eat them. You can see it in his face. It's not like it's not remorse, but it's almost just like a reality check for him that that's why he's here. This is what has happened. Right. So like even this rookie is calling me out. On right. Kind of stuff. Yep. Yep. That's exactly what I felt. Um, Lecter, he gets off on Clarice's bluntness. He oh, yeah. like, it almost seems like he's getting sexual gratification out of the way he talk. She talks to him. Yeah, maybe it's just because nobody else will talk to him like that. True. So I don't know. It seems like he really likes it, and it's like the only thing that he lives for for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does say, uh, you send that through now. So he's going to look at the questionnaire, which uh, is a win for Clarice at this point. Definitely. Um, she does it pretty quickly, right? She's like looking at him the whole time. She's throwing it in the box real quick. And then she slams it because he's getting over there. He's not really lunging at her, but he's definitely moving at a pace to make her feel uncomfortable about yeah. their closeness, even though there's no way that he can reach through there or yeah. anything like that. The only that. thing he could do is like, smash it shut with her hand in there i suppose i suppose that'd be about it right but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would do something like that 
he's a little he's a little, he's a little more calculated he that. is a little bit more calculated than just smashing fingers um lector is definitely not impressed with that questionnaire and he flips the script and goes on the attack dice goes on the attack dissecting who clarice starling actually is yeah um and he's fairly right yep. like he really is like bam yeah. i know bam i got you bam i got you yep. except for the boy stuff i'm pretty sure yeah <laughs> definitely there was an interesting. St- I I wasn't going to talk about it, but I think I, it's worth a, a mentioning. A lot of people consider uh, Clary Starling to be one of the first like major. I don't know if queer is the right word, but uh, maybe not. Maybe queer, I guess. Uh, character in a movie, like they really female character. They really a lot of people consider that. I don't know. She never comes out as saying that she is either gay or straight. There's a couple right. of times in the movie where she alludes to Lecter, especially like uh, Mr. Lecter. I'm not interested in that, you know, and like, I don't know. Yeah. She says, like, frankly, that's the kind of thing Miggs would say. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she, I don't know. I'd hate to speculate. <laughs> yeah. I guess I've never gotten the impression that she was. But like why because she's not reciprocating all these creepy men that are always all over her the only reason that i've even ever thought about it was just because of articles that i've read saying that she is quite possibly one of the first queer characters in a major movie in the 90s so i don't know i had i probably wouldn't have thought of this also watching the movie because she is not portrayed she doesn't portray the Clarice doesn't portray herself sexually in any direction yeah. whatsoever. And it's not needed. In it's the movie not needed at all. whatsoever. So, yeah. If anything, she almost resents the sexuality that's thrusted upon her yeah. throughout the whole show, Agreed. throughout the whole movie. Um, she, you know, he's fairly right about her description, uh, about Clarice Starling's description. And she does say, you see a lot, doctor, are you strong enough to point that high powered intellect at yourself? <laughs> yeah. The, the accent definitely comes out more in that line. I feel. <laughs> uh, don't insult a mass murderer. Uh, yeah. Uh, censor taker once tried to test me, which I don't understand a censor census taker trying to test somebody. I don't know. They, they ask you, no. I, whatever. I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> Shout out Jim Carrey. Shout out Jim Carrey. <laughs> uh, you fly away now, little starling. Totally dismissing her. Um, he basically thinks that she can't hang. Yeah. Like, you're not smart enough to hang with me, lady. Nice, nice try, Ricky. <laughs> so she's like, okay, see you later. And then we get Migs. Barf. Barf. Like barf. Super barf. Super barf. Um, I don't want to get too gross about this, but like, where does it go? I know. I I wondered that, especially the last time I watched it, just thinking, okay, maybe she wipes it off for the most part, but then she runs back to talk to Hannibal. And that whole time I'm just thinking, you're going to go upstairs with that on your face. Like, yeah, yikes. And, uh, that substance isn't a substance that easily comes off of stuff. So no, it doesn't. <laughs> so. Let's just say if he can smell her skin cream, he's going to be smelling that for weeks uh, on the coat or whatever, something. Any way you look at it, that whole scene is just revolting at, in all aspects. And it's something that you don't expect to see in a movie ever, period. At all. At you all. Know, and Not this type of movie, at least. What is the significance of that other than, okay, this dude is foul and detest and disgusting and she, you know... Hannibal yells at her to come back and he immediately says, I would have never done something like that or let something like that happen to you. Is this just like that's put in there to build trust with each other right away kind of thing? 
Like, he's genuinely upset that that happened to her, of course. Like, it doesn't seem like he's bullshitting that. And obviously, she's got to be upset that that just happened to her. So, he he feels for her right away, and then she says, well, then do this for me. Yeah. So, it's got to be just, like, a trust-building thing. Wasn't there a different way to build some trust? I think so. Uh, There could have definitely been some different ways to build some trust between the two of them. Um, Is it Hannibal? Like... That's when he reveals the first riddle to her. I you know, think so. that's when he reveal he tells her about the he gives her the riddle about the self storage place. Oh yeah, Miss yep. Moffat. Yep. When was he going to tell her? Like, is he that quick witted that he's like, oh, she just got all that jizz in her face. Now I'm going to yeah. tell her this. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell her this. Yeah. Rookie, this you can't hang. And then, oh shit, maybe she can. <laughs> and then, all right, here's your first riddle. Okay. I guess the fact that she did come back and didn't run away screaming, maybe. I don't know. And there was no pun intended there. Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) No pun intended. Oh, my gosh. All right. Enough with Migs. Let's move Uh, on. Yeah. But she is definitely emotionally drained from that whole uh, sequence of events. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who wouldn't be? Uh, We get that first dad flashback while she's leaving the hospital. Um, What is the significance behind the dad flashback besides a little backstory? A little backstory. A little backstory. That's it. (laughs) Just a little backstory. I guess her relationship with her dad does come into play a little bit later in the movie, but A little later in the movie and maybe just a sense of this is why she wanted to be in the FBI because her dad was a cop. That's a, yeah, that it just gives her a little backstory. It gives her character a little bit more depth besides getting stuff thrown at her all the time. For sure. Um, We're back at Quantico now and there's more training. Unfortunately, the training's kind of comical now in the view from 2020. 22 uh put your hands behind your back thumbs in the air how else do you put your hands behind you put your hands behind your back right now and try to put your thumbs down you can't do it you can't do it (laughs) you can't do it she even says that to start saying that to bill at the end of the movie yeah put your hands behind your back and put your oh she when he runs away yeah who says that and then uh You know, it is interesting. It does give us the opportunity to see that she is still a trainee and stuff like that. Just the way it's brought about in the movie does not hold up very well in 2022. Um, The best line, though, from it is when uh, the dude pulls the trigger of an unloaded gun at her head and says, Starling, you're dead. Or you're dead, Starling. You're dead, Starling. I mean, you never do that with a loaded or unloaded gun, period. Yeah. Ever. I didn't even think about that until Ever. you just said that. And they're like in the FBI in the, training. In the FBI <laughs> training. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Boom. <laughs> oh, she's actually dead. Oh, I just killed her. Roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> Is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer still available? Is Michelle Pfeiffer still available? All right. Um, but now she's doing some uh, research for Hannibal. Uh, she's looking at microfiche film, in case anybody was wondering. It's tiny, tiny pictures on like photography film that you roll across a light and it gets projected like an overhead projector so an overhead projector is this thing that <laughs> used to be in i will stop there but it's called microfiche if you're wanting out there wondering out there kitties kiddos um but she gets a call from uh crawford Miggs is dead lector did it uh she is not that upset about it i wouldn't be either i would not be <laughs> either and basically Hannibal like talked him into killing himself by swallowing his own tongue. Yeah. I I don't get it. One, that's not physically possible to yeah. swallow your own tongue. Correct. And two, I guess Miggs, he's, he was probably already, 
he was probably already off the deep end, so you could probably put some weird, crazy stuff in his mind and make him want to kill himself. I suppose. But, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, Hannibal. Miggs deserved it. Miggs deserved it. (laughs) We don't know how you did it, but you are a superhero we've already acknowledged. Um, Crawford does ask Clarice about Moffat at this time. You know, the, we did mention it only slightly when Clarice does get called back after the whole incident with Miggs, Hannibal gives her his first riddle about the storage space. So, yeah. uh, Crawford asks Clarice about it. Any follow up on her? Uh, Clarice is a genius, uh, puzzle solver. Oh my God. <laughs> like, she seriously is like, uh, <laughs> he's from Baltimore. So I started looking in the Baltimore phone book. I thought the yourself comment was too whatever. For yeah. It's just like, man, she can put this shit together. That's pretty impressive. Way to go. Clarice. Way to go. Clarice. Basically, though, it was all a test uh, by Lecter to see if she could hang. Right. That's all it was. Yeah. Um, So she gets to the self-storage. In that storage space, uh, no one had been there since 1980. Uh, It takes some time to get into that place with the carjack. Uh, Finally, a little bit of levity when she tells the dude, here's a phone number. If I get trapped in here, make sure you call somebody. So a little bit of a release from all the tension from the last 20 minutes of the movie. Um, She makes it in. Uh, and then there's a head in the jar. Yeah. Uh, boy, that is shocking when you're not expecting it. Yes. Very, definitely. very shocking. So how does she even understand that there she should be going into that car, period? I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're looking for something in a storage space, maybe looking inside the car is something that you should do. I guess. And then does that mannequin... Does it allude at the head being there because it's headless and it almost looks like it's pointing at it with that cigarette? I never even put that together until right now. Does it? But that definitely makes sense. Like, is that... It seems like a a Hannibal Riddle-esque type thing to do. I suppose if he set that... leaving a clue. So what, he set that up in 1980 knowing at some point he's going to have to tell a riddle to somebody to go find this head? That's true. I know. Like, that's I mean, crazy, right? It's crazy. He paid 10 years in full. I mean, it's possible. Like, it's possible. he does, he is 10, 20, 30 steps ahead, apparently. Yeah. So, I mean, it's totally possible. And I was also wondering if it's not actually Hannibal doing it, is that a cinematic device instead? Is that like the director doing this? True. Just to be symbolic, basically. Right. I feel like it's more of a lector thing because it's super obvious and it's like right on the screen there. Maybe yeah. you'd be a little less obvious if it was a cinematic device. Yeah. That's I don't true. know. Either way, we got to see that gross head. That gross head. <laughs> that gross, gross head. It was very convincing too. Like yeah. it, it looked like that could have been that. That looked like what it probably looks like to see a head yeah. in a jar. <laughs> yeah, that's just like one of those weird haunting scenes that always sticks with me in this movie. Yes. I, I picture that when it, for whatever reason her cutting her leg I don't like that already you no. know it's like she cuts her leg on some rusty ass nail yeah or something hopefully she's up to a, so up to date on her I, I already got the heave jeebs and then she's yeah. searching around in there and yeah oh, the while head I'm, while I'm thinking about it uh so when she's in the car and we hear that slam yeah is that the garage door falling I don't know she seems like what the hell was that but not like oh my god how am I gonna get this open all right so so I don't know what it is. Maybe the old guy who's supposed to call if she gets hurt collapsed outside. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Could be. Very well be. Who knows? I just always assume that the garage door fell. I don't know. I, uh, we never see anything, I, hear I, about I it, whatever. I didn't think of that. That's She's got to have a way from the inside to get it open, right? Or they had to call that field office and they had to or come rescue. call that field office. One or the yeah. other, I guess. Maybe it was the actual garage door, like, releasing from where it was stuck instead of falling. Yeah, could be. Know. Could be. Who knows? Um, but Clarice does head straight to the hospital after that. And uh, Hester Moffat, it's an anagram, isn't it, doctor? She figured it out. Yeah. Way to go, lady. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the rest. So I listened to this many times and I don't get the description that she says. This is the exact line that she says after she confronts Hannibal about uh, it being an anagram. She goes, the rest of me. Miss the rest of me, meaning that you rent the garage. That's what she says. She says, the rest of me, miss the rest of me, meaning that you rent the garage. I don't understand that line at all. I don't, get, all. That at I don't all. get it. Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, but then uh, Hannibal just slams that drawer open with a towel. Yeah. So I guess this is the second uh, little hint or little uh, guideline she should have written down. Don't accept anything from him. Yeah, definitely not. Take this towel. And it's a a sign of trust is what it is. Yeah. That he's trusting her. She's trusting him. Because if she didn't take it. Oh. Right. Then it would have been game over, right? If she she didn't take it, it would have been game over. Um, Clarice seems to have gained trust for Hannibal, which is uh, most likely his intention, like we just said. I don't mm-hmm. know why I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, whose head is in that bottle? Uh, why don't you ask me about Buffalo Bill? Uh, why, do you know something about him? I might, if I can look at his case files. Clarice wants to keep talking about Benjamin Rasbill. Yep. That's what she wants to keep talking about. Hannibal didn't kill Ben, only tucked him away. So, okay, way to go, Hannibal. You didn't kill that dude, but yeah. uh, you cut his head off and put it in a bottle. Yeah. Um, eh, all right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was probably murdered by Buffalo Bill. We're uh, guessing. And that's what we're guessing. And he says that it was a fledgling killer that did it, and uh, it was basically his practice run. Uh, and uh, for that bit of info, he asks uh, Clarice what it felt like to see the head in the jar. Uh, he seems to get gratification about her answer. Like, he's like, I, can't, I'm, I waited 20 years yeah. for 10 years. For Hell this. yes. I set Finally. that mannequin up so many years ago. He's like, hey, did you notice the mannequin? <laughs> did you notice the mannequin? <laughs> Why is there not cool, like, alternate deleted scenes like that? Or they just make you laugh? <laughs> they th- there should be. That would be great. <laughs> uh, Hannibal starts his line of questioning then. Uh, questions about Crawford's sexual feelings towards Clarice. Um to Clarice's credit, uh, she hits back right away. Yes. She just dismisses that stuff about yeah. Crawford. It's way more of a father figure than anything else. Yeah. Um, she says that sort of thing. That's that's the sort of things Migs would say. Not anymore. I mean, not anymore. Um, Hannibal is uh, being pu- is being punished for the killing of Migs. Uh, the gospel program. No more drawing. Um, Hannibal uh, makes his offer. Uh, what he he wants a view. That's what he wants. He right. wants a view, and in a, in return, he, uh, he'll give a full psych profile based on the case evidence. He says, "I'll help you catch him." Yeah, he wants a view and to be as far away from Chilton as possible. Chilton as you possible. are hundred percent right, and that's exactly what he says. His rival. Um, but first, we got to go check out Buffalo Bill. Bill is hunting. Bill is hunting. Bill is hunting. Can you, can you help? Can you help me? me? 
<laughs> um, night vision goggles. Say what? Like, yeah, say what? Say what? Night vision goggles. Just because they want to have that cool scene at the end of the movie. That's the only reason. That is probably the only reason. He doesn't need night vision goggles in a well lit parking lot. Nope. Makes him look even creepier than he already does. How does she not see him? Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> so the movie. Can so the movie can happen. Um, either way you look at it. Uh, he can't get that chair. It's the old, you can't get that chair in the van bit. Yeah. Like I've seen it a million times. Right. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for, uh, Catherine, right. Her name is Catherine. Yep. Yeah. Catherine. Uh, she should have just kept on walking. Should have just kept on walking. Uh, the scene, Lauren hates this scene. She should have known better. Yeah. Is weird as it, I mean, I'm a man, I'm not a lady. So it's kind of weird to talk about these things, but. I feel like a woman shouldn't do that. I'm yes. not trying to tell anybody what to do, but no. as a concerned women's lib person, yes. just go inside, please. Just go inside. Men are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Men suck. Okay. The abduction is super duper brutal. The way it's... he punches her in the face with that cast hand, which I is hate it. obviously why he has that on his hand. Yep. Um, are you about a size 14? Like that's Excuse just, me? Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. And she... She even like think, thinks twice about when she's backing into the van. Yeah, like she looks out and yeah, like, she questions it. And oh boy, that <sighs> is just ugh. yeah. That's one of them scenes. It's just like so believable that it can happen. Right, and it's happened thousands of times over it's, the world that it's it really gives me the heave jeeves that was one thing that i thought about that scene too is it feels really realistic right it feels like you're almost watching security camera footage as yep. opposed to watching a movie yeah it seems like something that you could have seen on the internet and i just hate that he's so comfortable doing this and so quote-unquote like good at this point that he just cuts off her dress and just leaves it there right he doesn't care about evidence or nope. anything like that well they even say later that that's like his calling card so yeah. like he does it all the time right. like he's just just to let people know i abducted somebody here i mean if he's been killing people since 1980 yep and I suppose they have five victims right yep sure catherine so was, catherine was the fifth catherine was the sixth catherine was the sixth I so think. i mean between 1980 and that first victim how many other victims were there? He's probably very comfortable in his skin and <laughs> killing if people. Benjamin Raspell or whatever yeah. was his first, then we're thinking at least seven. Then at, this at point. least so, seven at yeah. that point, yeah. And to top that whole scene off, that poor kitty. That poor kitty. <laughs> I know. I thought of that too. That poor kitty poor didn't kitty. get to eat. He's so hungry. Yeah. And so now hungry. he's missing his mom. Now he's missing his mom too. Well, Clarice is back at Quantico. We get some more uh, training, classic punch circle training. Punch circle training. <laughs> but I, I guess. I guess. I mean, you got to be able to take a beating a little bit if you're going to be a high-profile police officer in the federal government. So, yeah, I guess. But sure. And at this point, so they yell Starling, and she's yeah. got to get out of there, and everyone freezes and stops. Everybody freezes. There's more women in here, so why is it such... Is everyone just flabbergasted at like how much Crawford is trusting her? Or That might be. I mean, they do call Crawford, Crawford the guru later, so yeah. I'm sure he's got quite the reputation at Quantico. Because it's one thing when she's the only female in the room and everybody stares, but for her to get called out and everyone stops what they're doing, and then they're, the instructor's like... All right, calls the next person up and get back to work, basically. Yeah. Like, I, it's just weird to me that 
I mean, they clearly do that on purpose. Yes, but. they clearly to, to single her out to make her look singled out, make right. her look like an outsider, basically yeah. in the the school. But did you notice also that uh, it's another woman coming up to yep. take her? Pu- yeah. So how about a dude get in there? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, how about a dude get in there? <laughs> uh, we do also get some cool stunt driving for some excitement, right? Yeah. There's no other reason. Just completely random. Some producer, some person that had their fingers in this movie was like. This movie needs a car chase. Yes. This movie needs a car chase. And so they got their mini car chase. Mini car chase. Yes. But it was very 90s. It was like some cutlass caprices chasing a (laughs) Ford Mustang. Yeah. (laughs) It was great. It was really great. I like that. Um, But we get that new assignment for Clarice. We got a Buffalo Bill type situation over here. And she's off to Clay County, West Virginia. Um, We find out that Bill keeps him alive for three days. Then he shoots him. Then he skins them. Then he dumps them. Then he dumps them. Mm-hmm. Um, we get that uh, interesting uh, car ride now. After that, when they la- they're in that tiny, tiny airplane, and they're also Crawford's in like a tiny single uh, single engine airplane at one point. He's yeah. in like a helicopter. He's in a gigantic military plane at the end. <laughs> yeah. He's just calling people up. Hey, I need a plane ride. Hey, yeah. I need a plane ride. Hey, I need a plane ride. Just <laughs> constant plane rides. Um, but we get that car ride. Um, that's a that car is a Plymouth Acclaim. In case you were wondering, um, I had one growing up. Nice. Uh, my parents had one. I should say ours was red and had a maroon interior. <laughs> complete with cigarette uh, uh, ashtrays in the back of the front seats. <laughs> nice. I always put my dum dum sucker uh, sticks and wrappers uh, in the ba- in in the one that was in front of my seat that we would get from like the bank or from the right. doctor, all those places. For sure. So I'd always jam in there and just jam them in there. <laughs> um, Crawford basically asks Clarice for a profile of Buffalo Bill, and she accurately does it. Uh, not bad, Starling. Questions. <laughs> yeah like uh, he was testing it, testing her just like Hannibal like alright rookie good job Clarice does confront Crawford on the first meeting she had with Hannibal Lecter um, she just wants to be in on the plan that's yeah. all she just wants to be part of it but right. uh, Crawford brushes her off if I sent you in there uh, with a real agenda he would have toyed with you and then turned to stone I mean it's a valid point that he makes yes. he doesn't have to be so bitchy about it definitely <laughs> Not have to be so bitchy about yeah. that. Come on. Finally, we arrive at that funeral home that's in uh, uh, what what city did I say they were in? I don't that's think I even West said West Virginia. I think I I think I just said Clay County, West Virginia. I think you do see the city. Maybe I didn't write down the whatever. They're near Clay County, West Virginia, <laughs> and they're at that funeral home. Um, we get that Crawford snub immediately, and a lot of awkward standing around after that. Oh yeah. Um, she really looks super duper out of place. She feels really out of place. So she like just sets her bags down and like slowly backs out of the room. Yeah. And she goes to a random funeral. She'd rather go to a random funeral than stay in that room with all those dudes. Yeah. What's that (laughs) telling you? Oh boy. (laughs) She's like, I gotta go. Um, it, it does, uh, give us this, uh, chance though to, uh, get a little bit more backstory with, uh, Clarice and her dad. Yeah. Um, Sad, definitely sad, definitely sad, because that's when he's dead, right? Correct. Yeah, that's when he's dead. There was only the two flashbacks. I think so, yeah. Yeah, that was it. One more flashback might have been good. Maybe maybe, maybe one more, like, after the funeral and, like, her going to Montana. Just one more quick flashback. Something. Just a quick one. They could have had it. Maybe there was one, and then they didn't put it in the movie. Yeah. Who knows? 
Um, we're in that autopsy room, and I can just smell that room. Ugh. I just smell it. When I see it, I smell it. The green tiles and stuff, I it's just horrible. like, oh, it's got to smell Ugh. terrible. Right um, it is a very, very uh, full room. We got Crawford over there saying, I need a six-way link up. <laughs> so he's, he's literally on the phone with the phone company saying, I need you to physically patch these cities through to this phone line. Yeah. That's what he's doing. So it's like Skype before Skype. Skype right? before Skype. <laughs> Skype before Skype. Do people even use Skype anymore? I I wouldn't know. I don't, <laughs> I think don't know so. either. I don't. I don't so. use Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Never really use Skype, actually. So I don't know. Correct. <laughs> but Clarice does take control of the room, and she gets all those lugheads out of there. Um, is it surprising that they listen to her? I find it surprising that they listen to her. Yeah. Because that they're so enamored with how the hell is this girl here working for the FBI and who is she to tell me what to do seemingly kind of the vibe you get they just sure sure they all kind of look at each other we got our coffee and donuts right I don't care (laughs) (laughs) I I was just having a good time standing by this dead body having some coffee and donuts I mean if you want me to leave I'll leave I guess I guess I mean it smells horrible in here anyway yeah they act like the smell gets so much worse when they open up the body bag but I mean a zipper is not smell proof no I bet you the whole place stunk yeah horribly the whole place had to stink they pulled a body out of the river yeah it's not like somebody died 10 minutes ago (laughs) yeah I didn't even think about that. They put on the stuff like yeah. the vapor rub or whatever. Yeah, under the their ventilated nose. stuff. Once they're going to zip it open as if it was smelled just fine in here a second ago. Did you unzip that bag or what? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, what do you what do you think of Lamar, the funeral home dude that was playing the organ? He's creepy. <laughs> He's very <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Super creepy. <laughs> He's like, you expect him to be some hidden weird yeah, he's creepy. He is very, very creepy. And it's funny because, uh, uh, what does Crawford say, Dr. Lamar? Let's take a look at her. Um, they all put that stuff underneath their nose. And all once they uh, unzip that thing, all Clarice says is just Bill. And it's like one of the more powerful lines she has in the whole movie. Yeah. It's just like, bam, like this is Buffalo Bill. She has no doubt in her mind. 100%. It's, it's the only answer for the unique injuries that this poor woman had. Yeah. Um, Clarice does describe what she sees dirt and grit under her fingernails it looked like she tried to claw her way through something that was a really bad southern accent <laughs> <laughs> they take pictures of her teeth um, which you can see the the actress playing the dead body blink when the dude touches her face really <laughs> yeah, she uh, just full on blinks <laughs> oops. <laughs> oopsie they must have liked the cut really bad so they yeah. uh, whatever she full on blinks <laughs> <laughs> uh, Clarice does notice something in those Polaroids and I've talked about Polaroids in a different episode so yep. go listen to that episode go listen <laughs> uh, there's something in the girl's mouth that was really bad too I had it for a second you earlier had, you had it earlier I don't have it anymore <laughs> <laughs> what is that Crawford says what is that some kind of seed pod no sir it's a bug cocoon. It's a bug cocoon. <laughs> it's the weirdest line in the whole movie. Yeah, definitely. That's it's a, a creepy man. bug cocoon. It's a bug cocoon. <laughs> to the museum. <laughs> to the museum. Nerds. Nerds. <laughs> Gather up. Uh, those dudes are pretty cool. I wish they had a little bit more uh, 
a little bit more in the movie. Yeah, you know, th- those nerds are definitely cool. The less nerdy, crazy-eyed guy of the two who cuts <laughs> open the moth yeah. is in uh, Malcolm in the Middle. That's one of my favorite dudes. I did not he's know in that. This random episode where he decides he's going to get off the grid and live inside the grocery store that Lois works at in between <laughs> the aisles. And yeah, it's it's weird. But I'm not. Ne- I don't think I had seen Malcolm. Years ago when I've seen this movie, so rewatching it so many times, hey, he's in Malcolm. <laughs> That's nuts. I did not know that. Uh, the dude looked somewhat from... Both of them looked familiar yeah. to me. I couldn't think of what the crazy guy was from, though. No, I feel like I've placed them both in other places in, yeah. in, in 90s media, but I didn't take the time to look them up because I was yeah. too busy looking up other stuff. So True. They fell through the cracks, so do it yourself. But yes, these two are a cool part of the movie. They are a cool part of, mo- of the movie. Um, they find out, and they cut open that uh, that bug cocoon. Bug cocoon. And they find out that it's a death head's moth, which death's head moth. Yep. The S is on the death and not yep. on the heads. Because yeah. it'd be death heads, that's not. Death's head moth, and it's from Asia. Someone would have had to raise the moth. It's not native, and it would have taken lots of care. What does he say? Somebody would have had to have fed it nightshade yeah, yeah, and took honey. Care of this. Yep, honey and nightshade. Uh, somebody loved him. What a mm. creepy way to end that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and an even creepier scene to start right after it, because yep. we get to see Bill's basement studio. Yeah, there we go. There's his bug collection. <laughs> yep. Uh, just a little sewing. That's all he's doing. We yeah, don't get to see what he's sewing yet. Luckily. <laughs> luckily. Um, but we got the lady in the pit, Catherine Martin, daughter of Senator Ruth Martin. Um, it's all over the news. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Obviously. A senator's daughter has been kidnapped by most likely Buffalo Bill. Like right. they are acting as if it is Buffalo Bill. Yeah. There's no, nobody's like, it might not be Buffalo Bill. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way it could be anybody else. <laughs> that would have really like slowed the movie down. Yeah. It really would if somebody's like, it's not Buffalo Bill. It's like not Buffalo Bill. That would have been, I'm glad they did not do that. Yeah. You, yeah. you would have thought that that would have been, there would have been one detractor right, in the audience, right? right? they like, I don't think this is Buffalo Bill. Yeah, no. It's a copycat. It's a copycat. I'm glad that that was not in the movie. Um, so specifically, uh, they do say that it was a good idea to get this out over the news. Right. So Clarice and her friends, they see this as a smart play, the fact that it was on TV. Right. So if if he sees Catherine as a person and not an object, it makes it harder for him to tear her up. Yeah. It was kind of back there. That was back. A little bit. I like it. I'm going back to that hospital now. Um, Chilton is not too happy that Clarice is back. I'm not just a turnkey. Well, you are to her. You are to her. You are to the FBI. You are to the federal government. Um, And she shuts him down quickly. Uh, This is the number for the U.S. Attorney's Office. Please discuss this with him or let me do my job. You understand? (laughs) I like it. It's getting better. It's getting better. It's coming back. It's getting coming. So Clarice does get down to Hannibal Lecter's uh, cell, and it basically comes down to if his profile is going to help Clarice catch Buffalo Bill, Hannibal is going to get his transfer that he wants. If Catherine dies, you get nothing. Nothing. Obviously. <laughs> Quid pro quo. <laughs> um, so basically, it, this whole scene comes down to if she tells something to him about her, her personal life, he's going to help her find buffalo bill Mm -hmm. that's all it comes down to um so she asks he asks 
Hannibal asks Clarice about her uh, past and what was your worst memory as a child? And she says, the death of my father. That's a pretty easy one to choose. Yep. I would assume that that's pretty bad. Top of the list. <laughs> and then she just immediately goes, quid pro quo, doctor. Uh, the significance of the moth is change. Our Billy wants to change. You're so close on the way that you're going to catch him. Do you realize that? No, tell me why. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't tell like, me why. Hell no, I don't. That's why I'm here. <laughs> tell me. Tell me why. Tell me why. nothing but... Thank you. After your father's murder, you were orphaned. What happened next? The ranch in Montana. She ran away. She had to go live in the ranch in Montana. Quid pro quo, doctor. And then uh, Hannibal says, Billy is not a real transsexual, which is an outdated term. Not going to use it again. People find it offensive. Um, He thinks he is, and he tries to be. You said that I was very close with the way that we would catch him. What did you mean by that? Clarice asks. Um, And then Hannibal goes into the fact that there are three major centers for sexual reassignment surgery. One of them happens to be the University University of Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) He probably applied for all three centers and probably was rejected because of childhood trauma. Um, He was made a killer through years of systematic abuse. Billy hates his own identity. So that's what it comes down to. Uh, Hannibal says he's confused about what he wants to be and who he is because he was severely abused as a child. So partially not his fault, I guess. Yeah. I mean, True. it is his fault. It is his fault. The system has failed him, apparently. Correct. And his family has failed him. So it's kind of sad, really. It is kind of sad. But and he's it, still a murderer. It's also like, it just makes Hannibal even more powerful again. Just yes. that he's the psych... Why is he so perfect in this movie? I, I mean, just... he is about as perfect of a serial killer as you can get. Yeah. Perfect. I mean... I wonder what his IQ would be considered to be because it's got to be way, 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 way up, up there. there way, yeah. way, way, way up there. Um, but we get to go straight over to our friend Buffalo Bill. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> do your best Buffalo Bill for me, Trav. I can't do one at all. It puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. That's pretty good. It was kind of like British Buffalo yeah. Bill, but it was good. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It was good. It's like Buffalo Bill on the BBC. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that a lot. On that was the really off. <laughs> <laughs> he was totally gutted. He's totally gutted. Well, that one dude later is totally gutted. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so when he's pulling up that lotion, uh, we get to see the bloody claw marks and the fingernail from the previous person that has yeah. been deceased. And then I, I just have to say this. Since it's an explicit episode, I want to say it, but I find it funny that she keeps crying and crying and crying until he's trying like, just put the fucking lotion in the basket. That <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh every time. Just it's like he's trying to be nice, you know, put the lotion in the, and he's, right. just, he's had it. So. You know, it may not even been so much nice as he's trying to like disassociate the fact that she that's is true. a person. That's even, true. You know, that actually but that's. S- but still, you yeah. know, he's not trying to be scary. Right. He's definitely being weird and scary but he's not being overtly scary that's true he's not being overtly scary at that point at that point um so now we get to have a quick scene with chilton and uh, hannibal lecter uh chilton says that the fbi played him uh, there was no deal, and that is, in fact, the truth. Yeah. Um, Chilton has made his own deal with the senator, provided that Hannibal Lecter gives Chilton the name of Buffalo Bill. And, like, immediately, like, right now, you have to give it to me now or you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, he 
what we find out later is not his name, but uh, Hannibal says his name is Lewis. I'll tell the senator herself the last name when I see her in Tennessee. Yep. He's always got an angle. He's always, always, got, an angle. always got an angle. Always got an angle. Yeah, and he's already eyeing that pen in that scene. Yes, he is eyeing that pen, and I want to talk about that pen, please. I would love to talk about that pen. Seems implausible. Seems more than impossible. Seems impossible. It seems impossible. At first, I was trying to rationalize as the... I mean, he focused... Like, the camera focuses on that pen. Yes. There's nothing else that he's looking at. Obviously. I was trying to rationalize maybe he got his hands on one of the tabs from the notebook thing. You know, the, like, that yeah. seemed more plausible to me than him getting a pen. Right. He didn't take apart the pen and get that little piece out of there. And then put the pen back because Chilton doesn't have his pen later. Obviously. So he got the entire pen. He got the entire pen. How did he get the entire pen? Nobody knows. That's impossible for him to get the entire pen. I couldn't get my head around it watching it. impossible. Not only (laughs) his hands are what belted behind him or on the side of him. He's basically in a straitjacket without being in a straitjacket. And then his neck is tied back too as he's got this cannibal face mask on that's just smashing his nose and yeah chilton's a little you know dumb and cocky in that scene but he's not dumb enough to leave a pen in hannibal lecter's room right and he says what happened to my pen later but i just don't understand he never left the room without the pen correct i mean if he did it's because all of a sudden the pen was gone and he assumed he put it in his pocket right unless Unless it was the guard's mistake. Like, did Chilton leave, and then the guard was responsible for cleaning up after him, even though it was Chilton's... Before he, like, unwraps him? Yeah. I, I, it's just... It's, it, it was hard for me to get past the pen. It's definitely hard and to get past And it's so that. pivotal. Yeah, without that, he... Does not escape. Of, yeah, the second half of the movie doesn't happen. Does not happen, so... so it's just a gigantic glaring pothole that pothole loophole plot hole. That's what I was Where looking you just for. Have plot to, hole. You have to believe that he's superhero esque in all these other ways. Yeah, he used somehow, mind power. Yeah, mind power. That's what I'm going with. He there used mind go. power. Mind power. Mind power. It, it was, was that easy. There it was go. mind power. It's been decided. It's been decided. <laughs> mind power. Uh, Hannibal is on the move though, and he gets to meet with Senator Martin in Memphis. Um, he does end up giving the whole description of Lewis friend. Yep. Uh, after a little bit of like, he had to be threatened with being sent back to Baltimore. Yeah. And that's the only way he did it. Like he enjoys pushing all scenarios to the max. Yeah. He yeah. wants them to be as stressful, as crazy, as chaotic, as out there as they possibly can be at every interaction possible. Yeah. Because there's no reason for him to do that. Oh, there's no reason. He knows what the consequences are going to be if he doesn't give the information. 100%. And then then after he does this all and does the bargain, he has another, why does he do this line? Hey, Senator, one last thing. Love you, Sue. He says it's so weird, too. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing ever. He says that about as weird as uh, when he's talking about how asking her if she breastfed her daughter toughened your nipples, didn't it? Like, <laughs> he says it so weirdly. Yeah. So weirdly. And then he compares an amputee, somebody that lost a limb, to breastfeeding. How you have phantom pains if you lose a limb to breastfeeding if she's going to get tingly nipples if her yeah. daughter's murdered stretching there a little bit doctor <laughs> quite right governor quite right governor 
Um, it is, I guess, maybe a moment of levity because there hasn't been comedy in a long time that that maybe he's providing that moment to I, release the audience a I little guess. bit. But that's it's just a very odd. It's a weird line. It's a weird line. All right. Moving on. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Lots of moving on moments. Um, now that uh, Hannibal is at the courthouse, uh, the Shelby County Courthouse. Uh, Clarice is there, and she manages to sneak in very easily. Very easily. Nobody really questions her. The one dude is like, does Chilton, Dr. Chilton, know that you're here? Oh, I'm with Chilton's party. He's like, good enough for me. All right, check your weapon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, check your weapon. Check your weapon. Check your weapon. You sound a lot like that guy in the movie, actually. (laughs) I like that. Uh, and she's solving um, Hannibal Lecter's last puzzle all at the same time. Yep. She's solving a puzzle, sneaking into this highly secured building. They really make those cops look like a bunch of bumpkins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And they're in Memphis, right? They're in Memphis. It's not like it's some backwater town. It's Memphis, no. Tennessee. Yeah. And they all look like fumbling idiots. <laughs> fumbling idiots. I, I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> in that elevator, though, it is funny. Is it true? Is he some kind of vampire? <laughs> like, come on, dude. <laughs> Give it a break. How the hell did you become a cop? Come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and then Clarice does say one of the better lines in the movie. They don't have a name for what he is. So I thought that was yeah, pretty cool. That's a I good like line. that line. But Clarice makes her way up there. Everybody double checks that she knows all the rules again. Um, she's like, yeah, I know the rules. Quit quit asking me if I know the rules. Yeah. I know the rules. Yeah. I may not follow them, but I know them. Yeah, I know them. <laughs> good evening, Clarice. That's a gr- I love that, and that's been oft parodied. If oh yeah, I'm sure if you had never seen Silence of the Lambs, and you've heard that, you've heard that, and you're probably like, oh my god, he said it. That's what that's from. That's it's- what that's from. <laughs> um, and she's there under the guise that she's going to bring the drawings back to Hannibal. Um, but Hannibal is kind of wise to it. Did Crawford send you? And she says, no, I came here because I wanted to. Um, people are going to say that we're in love and that's pretty creepy. Thanks, Hannibal. (laughs) Um, she solved this puzzle. Lewis friend, iron sulfide, fool's gold. Like, way to go, lady. Yeah, way to go, rookie. (laughs) Way to go. I mean, she knows offhand what iron sulfide is. She's much smarter than I will ever be. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm saying definitely as in me too, not like, yeah, Drew is so dumb. Well, there is the fact that I may be kind of dumb. No, 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 no. Um, But we get to the point where uh, Hannibal's basically like, everything you need is in the case files. Like, everything's there. You should be able to figure this out. You figured out my stuff. (laughs) Figure this out. Exactly. (laughs) So he's really trying to pull it out of her at this point, and he's really laying it out for her. Yep. He's really laying it out for the audience is what he's doing. This right. is just a point to describe the to the audience what's going on, I guess. Right. Um, he says, what does he do? And then Clarice says, he kills women. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. That's incidental. Uh, what does what needs does he serve by killing anger, anger, social acceptance, sexual frustration? It's getting worse. I sound <laughs> like the dude from downstairs in the courthouse. not Clarice <laughs> Starling. Uh, no, he covets. That is his nature. We covet what we see every day. Please tell me how. No, it's your turn to tell me, Clarice. Uh, why did you? Why did you leave that ranch? We don't have time for this. <laughs> you got to get that shh, 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 with the way she talks. Is yeah. that, that shh, 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 shh. 
I tried. I really tried. And I did it, and it sounded good a little while ago, and it's just been so in and out. I'm doing that dude as Clarice. I'm not doing Clarice. I sound like a moron. It's all right. As long <laughs> Bug as it, cocoon. <laughs> Bug cocoon. As long as it gets some laughs, that's all I want. Um, so, and then, you know, he Hannibal is like, no, I will listen now. So he's like, you got to tell me this, otherwise this is over with. Yeah. I'm not giving you anything more. And we get the really cool, like, the Silence of the Lambs story. Yep. Um, it sounds like it was really, really tough. And it sounds like even though her um, her uncle was a decent man, uh, he still sent her away after just being a kid and being scared about a lamb dying. Yeah. Like, sent her no. away to an orphanage. Yeah. No. Uh, you're out of here. to work on this. No, you're out of here. You're out of here. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I got... To kill lambs every day, and you need to listen to them scream. I don't care. That's <laughs> what I have to do. You steal my lamb, you're going to an orphanage. You're out of here. <laughs> I don't care what happened to your dad. You're going to listen. <laughs> um, and Hannibal reads it perfectly. Yeah. He says, Clarice, you think if you save Catherine, it's going to stop the lambs from screaming because you still wake up in a sweat every other night thinking yeah. about this. Yeah. Still. Go get some help, Clarice. Go get some help, Clarice. <laughs> For God's sakes, I'm a psychiatrist. Okay. Would you mind if I took you on as a patient, Clarice? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you know what? Clarice, like, genuinely... Oh, excuse me. Um, Hannibal, after the story, genuinely thanks Clarice for the finale of her story, of her life story. So he's basically, she's basically given him everything now. Everything. There's nothing left to give him. She went the total opposite way on the personal <laughs> info. <laughs> There's nothing else he doesn't know about me at this there, point. There really isn't. The only, yeah, there really isn't. Um, Hannibal almost spills the beans for the real name of Buffalo Bill, but then, of course, Chilton walks in and uh, ends everything, just breaks up the whole party. Yep. And uh, Boyd wants to, Boyle wants to put Boyd, Sergeant Boyd, Lieutenant Boyd. Let me look. Lieutenant I Boyle. I say it's Boyle, but Lieutenant Boyle. That's Boyle. also the name of. Uh, it's the name of a character on uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. There's a Lieutenant uh, Boyle on that also. Maybe that's a little reference. And that's that Andy Samberg comedy. Yeah. That was yeah. So maybe I could see that being a, a thing. But so Boyle is there to put the. I got orders to put you on a plane, ma'am. So they're trying to usher her out of there as quickly as possible. Um, but uh, um, Hannibal says, "Clarice, don't forget your case files." And we get that very very awkward caress, case file caress. Probably the creepiest thing he does in the whole movie. And it's just like a finger. Just yeah. a finger. Just a finger. <laughs> uh, Clarice does end up having to head back to D.C., though. And it's second dinner time with Hannibal. Son of a bitch asked for a second dinner. <laughs> lamb chops. Extra rare. Extra rare. He never does get to those lamb chops. He certainly doesn't. <laughs> and Hannibal produces that pen part. So like he regurgitated it, right? He threw it up. Something. So I, that's the only thing I can think of unless, I mean, he looked like he was working on it, right? And that's why he asked <laughs> yeah. for like another minute or two. Yeah. That he, I was like, how do you gain the skill to be able to selectively throw something up after you've already had a meal? This is second dinner. Yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe he just practiced swallowing things in his cell and throwing them up because what else does he have to do? I guess. He thought this true. might be a handy skill to have at some point in my yeah. life to selectively regurgitate things. Yeah. Do you ever see that? Uh, I'm just thinking of this now, so I have no names or anything like that. 
did you ever see that magician dude that would swallow billiard balls and stuff? And then he'd swallow like six, seven of them. No. And then he would throw them up in order. No. Yes. Look it up. Hit the internet, kids. Look it up. (laughs) Hit the internet, kids. I think he actually also ate like cigarettes and stuff and then like throw them up and then keep smoking them. That's disgusting. Yeah. It was various 70s, 80s things. The only thing that's coming to me is Steve-O eating a goldfish. The goldfish trick. (laughs) And then he regurgitates the goldfish. That, and it's still alive. Yeah, the... that magician probably pioneered. I sh- probably. I, you know what? I'm sure people have been swallowing fish for millennia and yeah. throwing them up alive. Yeah. So who knows who did that? First. Right. right. <laughs> uh, he does produce that pen part, though. And uh, they got the food in the cell. And after he's been uh, handcuffed down to the bottom of the the cage that they got. What, what else do you use that cage for? Where did that cage from come from? Yeah. Did the, they assemble it in the room? I feel like it was made for him. Yeah. I, because otherwise, yeah. You, it looks cool. It looks cool. He's in the middle of this big open room, so he can't really do anything. But how do you get that? In, the How do you get that in there? Yeah. you uh, It obviously got built in there. It, but it, it also looked like it was just two, four giant sides. I mean, I didn't pay that close attention, so maybe it wasn't. There was more sections to it, but I didn't pay that close attention. Anyways. <laughs> anyways, anyways, sorry about that. Um, he does. Hannibal does act, bo- ask Boyle to mine the drawings. So Boyle sets the food on the ground right next to Hannibal because yeah. that's smart, but whatever. Right. Um, and then as he goes back to pick up the food, we get the crazy attack on the cops. It's very brutal. It's very brutal. It's very memorable. Oh, yeah. I can see the scene in my brain right yeah. now as we're talking yeah. about it. I'm it's hard. picturing the nightstick. Just Boy, he <laughs> he beats. That was Boyle that he beat to death, right? That was. That, that, that was Boyle. That, that was he, Boyle, not Pembry, because Pembry is, is the one who gets cut open. That gets Boyle gets cut open because he steals Pembry's face. And Pembry is in the roof of the elevator. Oh, okay. I was thinking it was vice versa. I thought it was too because the dummy looks like boy or looks like Pembry. Yep. That's that is strung up. Yep. But I think it's supposed to be Boyle. Okay. Um, but yeah, he beats Boyle to death. And in a lot of other countries, that uh sequence of swings is yep. cut down to one swing. Really? Yeah. That's just how it is in other countries. But it's I don't know, it's like extra scary and powerful to me because of the way beginning when Chilton says that his heart rate never got over whatever when yeah because you can just tell he's like way too calm he loves it he loves it he loves every second of it it's what he lives like for. he's thrilled but he's yeah I don't know it's like you can tell his heartbeat is it's what he lives for <laughs> it's what he lives <laughs> it's for what he lives for um, he's definitely in his element and yes. his element is killing and eating people so. yeah <laughs> um Hannibal does pick up that straight razor, and uh, he says, uh, "Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry," because he's gonna cut his face okay. off. <laughs> okay, there you um, go. I'm gonna let's do a little diversion here. Do me a favor, say "Rise up, lights." Rise up, lights. Now say it a little bit quicker. Rise up, lights. Now I'm going to say it, and I want you to think of it as an Australian person saying "razor blades." Rise up, lights. <laughs> Isn't that weird? What the heck? Rise up lights. That is so weird. Right away, I thought you said razor blades. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Rise up lights. Isn't that weird as heck? That is the weirdest thing in the world. Thanks, internet. Thanks, internet. (laughs) 
And now Hannibal is loose. Uh, back in the lobby of the courthouse, the elevator is coming down. What the hell is this shit? What the hell is this shit? And I was like, why is it so weird that the elevator's moving? But then I was like, oh, nobody went up, so nobody should be coming down. It's probably not time for a shift change. Blah, 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 blah. Right, blah, right, blah. right, right, right. Um, uh, Bobby, get the vests. He sounds like he says vest. Yeah. And I'm like, does this whole department only have one <laughs> yeah. vest? Bobby, go get the one vest. <laughs> and you're going to lead us into this. <laughs> but the elevator stops. Um, the dude on the, the dude from downstairs goes, seal off a 10 block radius. Get me the SWAT team real quick. We're going up. Yeah. I mean, comical, right? That comical. Is, <laughs> like, Definitely. Comical, right? And then not only is that comical, but when the cops bust into the room upstairs, did you see the dude like pointing the gun straight up at the ceiling? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? What are you covering, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> he was maybe concerned that Spider-Man was in the room. I, I heard know. he was a vampire. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Was that the vampire dude? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good explanation <laughs> for why somebody would do that. Maybe he's a vampire. I actually think that was the guy who asked if it was a vampire. Now that you say that. And if it was, then that is a real deal joke put into the oh, movie yeah. that's a real because he was like he could be hanging from the ceiling <laughs> yeah that's amazing <laughs> that's a real deal joke and then we get that almost close up on the crucified cop yes that is absolutely disgusting it's disgusting and i think there would have been way more closer of a close-up if the mannequin looked more realistic yeah because it just doesn't look that realistic yeah it was smart for them to do it the way they did it. It definitely gets the point across. Oh yeah, and it's very scary and yeah, it's right. very, it's very this lighting in that scene and it's just. You're crazy. certainly not looking at that thinking that doesn't really look like. Yeah. No, no, you're not. You're more like that was insanely disgusting. The insanely disgusting because I mean you just, like see his intestines. It's yeah. pretty gross. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Gross. Uh, but one cop survived. Pembry. Um, Chris Isaac and his SWAT team finally show up. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> they just showed up in regular police cars, which I thought weird. When, why didn't they show up in the big SWAT van? Yeah. Whatever. Oh. <laughs> it was just kind of weird. And then they all, you know, they, they had an opportunity for those three dudes to rack their shotguns all at the same time. But yep. like one does it, Chris Isaac does it, and the other dude like half does it. Yeah. He doesn't even rack it the whole way. Just kind of like, eh. <laughs> it's like, you guys should have gone all together. Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been pretty epic. <laughs> Uh, Pembry is on his way out on the stretcher in the elevator, and then we get the drip, drip, drip. A little drip, drip, drip. A little drip, drip, drip. He's um, on the roof of the elevator. On the roof of the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to see down, and that dude is also from uh, Malcolm in the Middle. The dude, one of not, yes, yes, the, yes. He's also George's boss in Seinfeld for a couple of seasons, which is funny. Whenever I see his face, I always think of Malcolm in the Middle in Seinfeld. Um, and he says, uh, there's a gun by his hand. He's not moving. Uh, one in the leg. And yeah. <laughs> the dude shoots him in the leg. Yeah. I don't think that's a real protocol to f- shoot a dude to see if he's, <laughs> I guess if it's Hannibal Lecter, you shoot a dude to see if he's alive. You I, don't go down. I guess. Yeah. No movement. Of course. Cause he's dead. Cause he's <laughs> dead. And this is another part where he's just a million steps ahead of everyone. He's on the, so he's already done the swap. Yep. He's seemingly this cop they're worried about he it's perfect because he can't talk so everybody believes it and then he what fakes like a seizure to get things moving even faster yes and not only that they put like those those bandages those gauze yeah, pads yeah. on his face on so his face it makes it, it couldn't he, have made it easier yeah and then he fakes that seizure um but we're in the ambulance now and guess what he's wearing a dude's face that was yeah 
That's even though I knew it was coming. That is one hell of a reveal. That is one and hell of a reveal. So scary, and it's not only the dude's face though. It's like his whole scalp oh, too. Yeah. It is brutal, and the look on his face is like pure joy. Like he yeah. just walked downstairs, and it's Christmas morning. That's. Do you think if you had never seen this movie, that might be the most epic scene in the movie? Because you don't see that coming. No. If, it's mean, your if you've f- never seen this, you have no idea. Yeah, I just pulled out a big time Minnesota no on that one. No. <laughs> no, don't you know? <laughs> I try really hard not to do those in here, but no, you are 100% right. Like, that is an epic twist. Like, that is a twist of twists. Yeah, because picturing it, I feel I can remember myself seeing that for the first time, and I, my heart had just sank. I couldn't believe. Holy crap, he was wearing his face, and he right. got out of there. Right. He did do that stuff very quickly. Very, All of that very stuff quickly. Is very quickly. You got to kind of blow past that part. You got to blow past it. Yeah. But he he did it. It was very cool. Very twisty. Is it's really good. Yeah. It's really good movie making. Yes. Really good story writing. Definitely. It's whoever thought of that is a genius. Right, I mean right. Ted Talley, I guess the screenwriter. Ted I guess. Jelly. I don't know if that was a uh, in the book. I have no idea if it was in the book. I've never read the book, well, so that's true. I would assume maybe something like that is in the book. Somebody read the book and email <laughs> us, <laughs> and then read the whole book to us, and then read the entire book to us, and we'll read it in the email section. Seven hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, we're not kidding. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Uh, but we find out that uh, the ambulance crew is dead. Obviously, a tourist is dead. Obviously, obviously, and- <laughs> why not? Hannibal got away with the tourist clothes and cash, and by now he could be anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Uh, so the escape is complete, but we get to finally see Bill in his sewing room and see what his actual project is for once. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. It's pretty, pretty gross. <laughs> Clarice does finally crack the case he covets. He knew his first victim. Frederica. That's Frederica. who we get to go spend the next time with in Belvedere, Ohio. In Frederica's uh, bedroom, Clarice really zeroes in on that picture of her friend. Obviously, the detective wheels are turning and she's thinking, oh, that's somebody. I got to find out who that is so I can go question them. Yep. And then she turns around, looks at the dresser and makes a beeline for that music box. She yeah. like doesn't even. Yeah. That's okay. I get it. You can't spend 20 minutes in this bedroom searching through everything. The movie's True. getting towards the end. It's almost been two hours, which is an eternity in movie time in 1991. Oh, Movies yeah. weren't two hours in 1991. Yeah. Um, so she zeroes in and then has the has the foresight to bust open the box. Maybe that's a common place to hide things if you're a girl. I guess. So maybe that I I don't know. I'm not a that's girl. That's kind of how I thought of it. Like she maybe had something similar and held some or I would, hid something. I would guess that that's that's the only logic that I could put on that at least. Um so we're going to get through some of those uh semi-erotic pictures, I guess. Um the final picture of it though is uh, a picture of her unclothed back. Who do we know that likes backskin? Uh, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> and you might even say he has a backskin fetish, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he loves that backskin. Mm, backskin. <laughs> but the biggest big breakthrough is Clarice discovering the dress in Frederica's closet that has a pinned pieces of fabric on it in the same shape as skin taken from the latest victim. So, I mean, that's the breakthrough right there. She understands what's happening now. Right. So she understands what happen- is happening 
that's just because Frederica liked to sew, right? Like her friend says that she was a master sewer, or yep. loved to sew. It has nothing to do with her linking that to who she thinks could be killing her. Right? Like, that doesn't make her think, I know who Buffalo Bill is. No, because at that point, she, doesn't, yeah, she, know, still doesn't, know she doesn't know about Miss Lipman yet. Lipman? Right. Lipman. Lipman, yeah. Lipman. Yeah, because she finds that out when she talks to the friend. Yes, but yeah. she does understand that uh, Buffalo Bill is now making lady dresses. So just because it was the same shape, it's just her coming to the acknowledgement of this is what he does with the bodies. Right, and yeah, and so she doesn't know the sewing part yet. She doesn't know that Frederica was a master sewer yet. Right. Not yet. But yes, that's how she, so she must have some experience with sewing herself. Yeah. So I would guess that that's how she came to that because she does call Crawford um, immediately. He's like, who are you going to call? We're going right. to call Mr. Crawford. Of yeah. course you are. Uh, but Crawford already found him and they're on their, and they're on their way in that gigantic military jet. Yep. Um, uh, uh, Jamie Gum in Calumet City busted because of some caterpillars stopped in customs. So that's kind of an interesting, he, Crawford says that he, Ran some names that they got from, what did he say? From the, he said they did good work and ran those three schools, University of Minnesota yes. and Johns Hopkins. and Oh, yes. He said so, ran some names from Hopkins University. Yep, That's yep. what he said. I didn't put that together. I was like, what the hell does Hop- Hopkins University have to do with this at all? Yeah. All right. Those... That makes sense. <laughs> that fills in a big hole in my, <laughs> in my mind, actually. Thank you for that. Um, but we get that cool uh, goodbye horses scene now. And that song is really etched into my mind and associated with this movie forever. It's really, it's really weird if you do hear that song on the radio, A, because it's 2022 and that song wasn't (laughs) exactly popular when it came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, But if you do hear it on the radio or somewhere else out of context with the movie, you can't not think of Buffalo Bill in that song. Right. Um, So it's a really cool plan though, by Catherine in the pit, the try to catch precious. Oh yeah. What a genius thing to do. Like you're so desperate to get out of there and then you finally get your hands on you finally get your hands on a string in a bucket which I find it hard to believe that Bill would maybe leave it down there but he's distracted by his lady suit so I guess maybe Um, it's a genius plan it doesn't work right away and I was really not remembering exactly how it all went I was when she missed that first time I was like oh dang she missed? I thought she had the dog down there. What's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah. So we don't get to see her second try, but she does end up uh, getting precious. But first, everybody tuck dance. Everybody tuck dance. <laughs> I'd F me. I'd F me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, and he's wearing a lady's scalp too, which is yeah. the toughest part of that whole scene for Definitely. me. I get the, I mean, it's weird. The tuck dancing seems uncomfortable. You know, seems uncomfortable. (laughs) Wouldn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't know. Seems uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And we finally get to meet Frederica's friend and we find out that uh, sewing was Frederica's life. Did you ever work together? Uh, We used to do alterations with Mrs. Lippman. Can I have her address? So with those pictures and Mrs. Lippman and Bill... So did Bill learn how to snow? Bill maybe learned how to sew from Mrs. Lipman? Yeah. Because that's, so they had a relationship then before any of this other stuff. Yep. And so when she died, he just took over the house, basically. Yep. So that's where he learned how to sew. They don't explicitly say that, though, do no, they? So, no. But that's what logic dictates, I guess. Yeah. The FBI in Calumet City. Um, I like how these two scenes went back and forth. 
how the movie making makes you think that the FBI yeah. is closing in on Buffalo Bill. Right. Um, it was really cool. It was kind of hokey and kind of stereotypical with the flowers and all that stuff. And uh, um, how the dudes come running up with the van. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, you weren't running with that van for more than 20 feet. Uh, it was weird. But yeah, yeah. It was still cool. The dudes jumping through the windows and all that stuff. And you think after they busted down the door, they wouldn't and saw that the whole house was vacant. I guess you got to still look it up. You still got to go look and explore the whole house and figure out what's going on. But as soon as they find out that it's vacant, uh, Crawford knows that Clarice is in danger because yeah. th- there's no other option, I guess, besides her being with Buffalo Bill now. Right. I did find it weird that he just assumed, I mean, he must just know she's so damn good at her job. Yeah. That she was she was on to something. She yeah. just called me and I kind of blew her off. Oh, shit, I couldn't have been more wrong. Right. And so, yeah, I guess I was thinking, why does he just automatically assume she's for sure with him and in danger? But that's just, he's done nothing but praise her at how right. good she is at her right. job. So he knows, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Rookie's doing work right now. <laughs> yep. Um, but we get Clarice and James Gum at Mrs. Lippman's. I'm sorry to bother you. I'm looking for the Lippman family. They don't live here anymore. My Buffalo Bill is really bad. <laughs> I'm investigating the death of a friend, Frederica Bimmel. Uh, your name is? It's Jack Gordon. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of her before? Uh, yeah, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lippman. Uh, Mrs. Lippman had a son. Maybe he could uh, help you. I got his card. Would you like to come on in? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Boy, scary. You can kind of tell that Clarice is already on her guard, probably thinking something's kind of weird. Like, at least thinks this guy is weird. Yeah. Regardless I mean, of... Yeah, I I think even if you had what would be considered a reasonably normal interaction with James Gum, it might be like still very weird. Definitely very weird. <laughs> like if you ran into him like at a Burger King or something, it would be a weird experience. <laughs> it definitely be a weird experience. <laughs> You'd leave that Burger King being like, "Man, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to that Burger King." <laughs> yeah, I am never going back to that Burger King. But with the moth on the spool of thread, Clarice figured it out. There might as well have a light bulb might as well have gone yeah. on in her head. Um, she unbuckles the uh, the clasp on her uh, holster and uh, she totally botches the draw. Yep. Totally botches the draw. Don't get it. Totally botches the draw. Um, so she tells him to spread his legs, freeze, you know, all that stuff. And he just runs away because, yep. I mean, I guess I, he did try to feign like he was turning around, but he was right there by the door. The gun, they foreshadowed the gun being in the kitchen. Yep. So we saw all of that. Um, so he runs down in the basement. And now the movie is truly a horror film. Truly a, truly horror, a film. horror film at this point. I would <clears throat> consider this to be a horror film through and through. But now the movie is a yep. horror film. We're to- it's almost more like a psychological thriller to this point. And yeah. then this point is literally terrifying. Yes, it is literally terrifying. <laughs> um, Clarice finds Catherine, uh, but has to find Bill first. And uh, she says, um, FBI, you're safe. You're safe. <laughs> you're safe. <laughs> safe shit. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> And then don't you leave me, you fucking bitch. <laughs> like, that's some real de- desperation for oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this is the biggest basement in cinema history. Definitely. <laughs> the biggest basement in cinema history for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's seemingly soundproof. Right? I guess. I mean. Because she's screaming bloody murder as he's down there with her. And then he right. hears the 
doorbell, which is just the most annoying sound in the world. Oh, that is a really annoying doorbell. I would have to assume one of the reasons why he has his music playing so loud all the to time drown to drown that out. But a nice establishing shot of the exterior of the house showing that maybe it was on a corner, maybe flanked by a couple of vacant lots. Something, something like that would have been really good, but there was just none of that. We just have to assume that, I mean, it's an old house. It's a big old house, and the music... I don't know. I kind of had the same thoughts about that. Like, yeah. let's have something established that it's by itself or something. I don't know. That would have been good for me, at least. Um, Clarice does quickly. Quickly. I, sh- I guess it's not quickly. She's going through all those doors and shutting those doors for quite a long time. Yeah, it seems she, like an eternity. <laughs> before she finds Miss Lippman. Um, and she's in the tub and looks like she's been decaying for about uh, 10, 15 years, maybe. I don't know. It looked yeah. pretty gross. Some yeah. Old lady soup in there. we get that really really cool night vision sequence now yeah um it's a really cool sequence i'm glad that they used the night vision goggles earlier in the movie so we could have this sequence yeah yeah. because otherwise just introducing them now would have been very weird definitely like all of a sudden he has night vision goggles i did actually think that maybe they could have established something like maybe he had military service something to just establish why he would have night vision goggles I would have to assume in 1991, night vision goggles were a fairly new technology. They used them a lot in the Gulf Storm stuff. That's the first time I remember seeing them is in the very year, 1990 when all that stuff was happening over in the Middle East. I would have to assume it is a super, super expensive technology at the oh, time. Oh, yeah. If it's military grade, the only time you've ever seen anything like that is in the military. I don't know how he would get and afford anything like that. Yeah, do we know that he has any semblance of a job? It What's doesn't that? seem like it. How, how like does it. he make his money? Yeah. Like, is he selling all these bugs that he's growing himself? Somehow? You know what? Maybe that is what he's doing. That would make sense. That's about may- the only thing he yeah. could be doing. Unless he was able to assume the Lippmann, Lippmann family trust or something. Right, Maybe there's right. money in the family and then he scammed his way into it. That's a good question. That's a pretty big uh, plot hole right there is how does he get his money? Right. How does he get his money? Hmm. Um, but, you know, it's truly terrifying, this night vision sequence where she's fumbling around in the dark and she just can't she can't find anything. And it's Ugh. super duper creepy, super duper chill inducing. And the way Buffalo Bill is just like reaching out, just, like, yeah. looks like he's going to grab her and choke her at one point. Yep. Like he's going to caress must, her like, hair. Yeah, smell her hair yeah, or something. Yeah, something like, like that. And he just decides to raise that gun and then... That's the end of Bill because he cocks that hammer and that's enough for Clarice to turn around and start firing. Oh, I freaking love this scene because usually it's a one shot in the side or something ridiculous and then you just go to the other room and assume you've won. She blasts the shit out of this guy. She really does. Boom, 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 unloads the clip making sure he's dead. Who fired first? That's a good question. I feel like sometimes I'd watch it, and it seemed like the muzzle flash came out of Bill's gun first. Other times I'd watch it, it seemed like the muzzle flash came out of uh, Clarice's gun first. I feel like she must have got the first shot off. Somehow, yeah. she like heard his finger on the trigger yeah. or something. Well, he cocks so. the hammer back, and that's, or, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just enough for her to spin around and start firing. And Before he gets that shot off. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, Buffalo Bill is now very dead, and he gurgles to death, which is satisfying to watch. Definitely. Because he's definitely deserving of it. Oh, yeah. Um, 
she gets ushered out of the house. The media is already there. I don't know how they got there so fast. There was no internet or cell phones, so yeah. I, whatever. I guess the good old police scanner got them there. Yeah. Um, but we get to see Clarice graduating from uh, the academy. Um, she's officially Special Agent Starling. And uh, good old Pappy Crawford is there to watch her walk at graduation. Yeah. Way to go, dude. Way to be that father figure she didn't have anymore. Yeah. Um, but we got a phone call. Who's on the other line? We got to get a strong handshake. We got to get a strong handshake from Crawford first at the party before she goes and answers the phone. Yeah, call. yeah. Um, so after that quick little moment was cool because he's like, way to go. You're the best. I really like you. I want you to be my daughter. You're cool. You yeah. know, I'd like that a lot. But she, he even says, don't forget about your phone call. So she goes over to that phone call and it's Hannibal. It's Hannibal. What a twist. Really? If you yeah. don't see that coming, what a twist. What yeah. a twist. Um, she wants to know, um, where are you? I guess that's a a pretty good question to ask him, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just says, I'm not coming for you, Clarice. So will you do the same for me? And she's like, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but we find out that Hannibal Lecter is going to have an old friend over for dinner. Bye. Bye. <laughs> uh, Chilton is in for some serious trouble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's done for. Um, he deserves it. Oh, yeah. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Roll credits. Wacky tacky. <clears throat> Great movie. Great movie. I absolutely love that movie. Um, final opinions. Would you like to share any with me, Trav? Hmm. I would say these are the kind of horror movies I like the most. The two that we've done so yeah. far, The Shining, Silence of the Lambs, where it's not all jump scares. And yeah. they're, this one, I guess, does have some gore. But like we said, you see it from a distance for yep. some of it. So I I really like that it's got your mind racing the whole time. And I like the idea of a really smart character kind of running the show, mm-hmm. like Hannibal in this. And it's just a damn good movie it really is and i totally agree with you the fact that it's not a slasher flick right is great mm-hmm. i would much rather watch a movie that is suspenseful and thrilling right as opposed to just a straight horror flick with gore for gore's sake mm-hmm. the gore has a purpose in this movie right it's not gratuitous it's well placed and it's interesting and it's scary yeah <laughs> definitely scary um I want to ask you a couple of questions about what you think about a couple of things. I read this article on Vanity Fair, which made some interesting points about this movie. Um, One of them, that Silence of the Lambs is actually a story about a woman succeeding in a man's world. I mean, she does fend off advances throughout the whole movie. She is placating her supervisors and minimizing her femininity femininity, um, and sexuality to rise. Um, What do you think of that? It's... True. I mean, I never really thought about that, but you had told me about how she's always being stared at by men, and I've watched it since then, and holy crap. It's everything. It's from the very first scene when she's running, training in the woods in the opening scene, and the guy says, Starling Crawford needs to talk to you. He stares at her forever, seemingly, as she runs away, and then every scene where she's in with guys... Uh, you're looking for Crawford. They both stop their conversation. You can go wait in the office, and they both stare at her till she leaves the room. I mean, it's just nonstop throughout the movie. It is nonstop. It's so a, yeah, she's definitely, like you just said, a woman succeeding in a man's world. She really is, and it's all it. 
1991, and it's still difficult now for women, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. I'm Mm -hmm. not a woman. I don't live those experiences, but from what I've heard, it's still very difficult um, to really succeed in even more so like um, the man's world, the boys club that the FBI is maybe and definitely was at the time Mm -hmm. is uh, is really cool. And it's a good story and it really shows her success as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about the fact that maybe this movie talks about social classes in America? The fact that uh, like Hannibal Lecter represents the highfalutin rich one percent. Um, Clarice Starling represents the middle class and Mm -hmm. James Gum, uh, uh, represents the lower class. What do you think of that? I mean, the fact that we like cheer that Hannibal or that, uh, uh, Buffalo Bill is dead and then we laugh at the fact that Hannibal is going to go kill somebody. Yeah. That is crazy. Does that just, does that show how much we're willing to give people that are smart, attractive, funny, and popular a pass? Basically. That's what I was thinking as you were saying that. I think it just shows how much, I mean, we crave intelligence and new information and he's so captivating that Mm -hmm. you, for some reason, are rooting for this cannibal in some way, shape, or form. Like, yeah, you don't want him to just slaughter a bunch of people, but you don't want him to get caught. Right. Like you're happy that he gets out. And yeah, yeah you're genuinely happy that James Gum dies. Yes. Obviously. So that's a good point. It's uh, just kind of an interesting way to look at the movie after you've watched it, just to try to think about those things and yeah. uh, understand what maybe the director, producer, writer is trying to actually get you to think mm-hmm. just beyond uh, what uh, what you see on the screen. Um, so I'm going to ask this, and I know the answer. Did you like it? I loved it. <laughs> That's great. How about you, Drew? I loved it. Um, I will say watching this movie over and over and over in a short period of time is difficult. Yeah. Um, not necessarily for the content alone, but the fact that it's uh, that type of movie where it takes energy to watch it. Yeah. It really does. You can't passively watch a movie like that. No. I can't throw Silence of the Lambs on while I'm typing up stuff like I can do Ninja Turtles. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? definitely. Yeah. Even if I wanted to do that, I'd just find myself just staring at the screen. Right. Just, oh, I got to watch this. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. Well... I think we did a good job on that one, Trav. I liked that a lot. So let's move on to our homework assignment. Let's do it. We are going to revisit Ed, Ed, and Eddie like we promised so many episodes ago. So many. Um, we're going to do episodes 7 through 10 in season 1. Last time we did 1 through 6, and honestly, doing 6 episodes is too much. It is. So we're going to break the last 6 episodes of this season into 2 episodes. So we're doing th- 4 episodes this one, two, three. We're doing four episodes this time. Um, So I'm going to go through those really, really quick. So just like last time, episodes are going to be split into 7A and 7B because they're two 12 and a half minute episodes. Um, We're going to watch A Look Into My Eds, which is directed by Danny Antonucci. And so is every other one of these episodes. And then also every one of the rest of these episodes are written by Jono Howard and Danny Antonucci. 7B is going to be Tag Your Ed. 8A is going to be Fool on the Ed. 8B is going to be A Boy in His Ed. 9A is It's the Ed. 9B is Laugh, Ed, Laugh. 10A is A Glass of Warm Ed. And 10B is Flea Bitten Ed. (laughs) So it will be a fun, awesome set of episodes to do. We had a lot of fun doing the first time, doing the first episode of this. 
Um, so I can't wait to get to this one. And just as a reminder, season one ran from January 4th, 1999 to June 11th, 1999. It had 13 episodes. It was created by Danny Antonucci for Cartoon Network, produced by Canada-based AKA Cartoon. And then Danny Antonucci, we talked about all this stuff before, but his first major solo project was Lupo the Butcher. And then later he produced The Brothers Grunt for MTV. Check out Lupo. Do not watch The Brothers Grunt. Do not. Uh, the voice of the Eds is Ed, is Matt Hill. Double D is Samuel Vincent. Eddie is Tony Sampson. I want to talk to Sampson. want to talk to Sampson. Uh, lots more info on the first episodes. It, uh, there's lots and lots of more info on just Ed, Ed, and Eddie in general in the first episode we did that covered episodes one through six. So that sounded confusing. The first episode of the podcast that we did yes. that covered episodes one through six of Ed, Ed, and Eddie season one. I think that made more sense. Yes. Um, so go and listen and listen to that one if you haven't already. And just a hint, you don't even have to listen to the whole episode. Just listen to the first 20 minutes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if you want to, you can go buy this on Amazon, probably on eBay, probably at Best Buy. Probably. Or you can go watch it on HBO Max. But I bet, since we already did this, you may already have it in your collection. Dun, dun, dun. So I'm excited to go see us, watch us, do us some Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Me too. Um, so yeah, that's all I got, Trav. You want to give us some emails? Let's get into some emails. Let's do it. So our first one comes from Wish I Didn't Do That wants to know what was a dare that you did in Truth or Dare as a kid that you wish you could take back? Hmm, a dare I did in Truth or Dare that I wish I could take back. I'm trying to tap into my distant memory and think about the truth or dare. Oh, I totally, <laughs> totally, totally, totally remember. It's nothing too salacious. Maybe. It just it just involves serious injury. Not even serious injury, just some injury. Um, we were at school in probably second or third grade. Our jungle gym at Kennedy Elementary kind of had um, one area that was slightly separated from another area, and it was just like a a three or four foot gap that you had to go across if you were to go across. And it was bars. We weren't supposed to go across there. You're supposed to kind of go around the bridge and sure. come back and around and stuff like that. But I was dared to walk across the top of them on the uh, rungs. Like yeah. So at this point, I'm on the top of the jungle gym. It felt like, you know, 35 feet as a second grader, but Obviously. I'm sure it was only like 10, 12 feet at the most. Um, I did not make it across those uh, monkey bars, or not monkey bars, those um, railings. Ouch. I fell straight down and got the wind knocked out of me. And I remember screaming, help me, and just being told to calm down and start breathing. So. <laughs> Ouch. Yes, that was my worst uh, truth or dare, I'm sure. Oh, so mine... Why I went through with this, I don't know, but I was dared to eat dirt. Oh, and yeah, for yeah. some reason, I took a big old bite of that dirt. <laughs> not even not a little <laughs> nibble? Not, not even just a little nibble. Took I'm going to go for it. Just ah. took a big old one, and I, I went all in. I said, fuck it. And yeah, that dirt was disgusting. <laughs> I can only imagine. Life hack for anyone who's still wondering. Dirt does not taste good. Don't eat dirt. Don't eat dirt. Unless you really want to, then go eat dirt. <laughs> yeah, then, you know, okay. Go ahead. Oop, go ahead and go eat dirt. Go eat dirt. 
Uh, next email here comes from, hey, look, it's Bat Boy. Ask, what, what's the best movie you've seen recently unrelated to the podcast? Um, so it wasn't super recent. It was, I'm trying to remember when it came out. The last, it was The Green Knight, which okay. it came out maybe last year. I think so. So it's not the most recent movie I've seen, but it's probably the best most recent movie I've seen in theater. Sure. It, it was a really cool uh, like King Knight, uh, King Arthur tale, Knights of the Round Table type of tale. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the exact night that's in it, but it's uh, I highly recommend it. It's the A34 Studios, right, that released it. That, I've never seen it. But that's a studio, right, is A34, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They released it. Um, it was really, really good. Nice. It's, it's, it's really good. It's a very cool... It's a. I like to describe it as a piece of cinema, yeah. not not a movie. It was a. It was a piece of cinema. It For was sure. really cool. It was really good. I recommend it. The Green Knight. Recommend it. How about you? So I put down Shang Chi. Oh, so I didn't yeah. see that in theaters. Yeah. So I saw it way late because, like I said, in the last one I've been watching some Marvel shows, yeah. but. Holy shit, is that movie amazing. It's good. It is for sure in my top three Marvel movies up yeah. there with Doc Strange 1 as one of the best standalone movies. Oh my gosh. I got Lauren, because I'm watching with Lauren now, and she's always a little turned off from long movies. Man, they're all and, long. And she loved this movie. That's good. And then the fact that you can, at home, fast forward through the damn credits and not have to stand <laughs> there holding your pee until the end of the movie. She's like, this is amazing. We should always <laughs> watch Marvel movies here. I agree. We will keep doing that. No, that movie is really, really good. That final so sequence good. where they're fighting the dragon is super <sighs> duper intense and awesome. I just, yeah, the whole story, I like that you've got a badass female yep. who has a good backstory and yep. it's believable that she's badass. Yeah. I'm like Falcon and Winter Soldier, not to get too off topic, but I have a hard time believing Carly is as badass as she is just because she took the super soldier serum, the redheaded girl who's yeah. like the protagonist. And yeah. The, like, where did her martial arts background come from? Super Why can she just keep up with her? Super serum. Super serum. Super serum. Super serum. Super serum. So, yeah, anyway, Shang-Chi, amazing. Very good. Uh, next question here comes from Retro Junkie says, It's 1995 and you can have either a Tootsie Pop or a Blow Pop. What are you choosing? <sighs> So what I did choose all the time was the Tootsie Pop. Yes. That's what I chose. But I would occasionally choose the Blow Pop, but always regretted it. Because of the gum. Because of the gum. The gum the was gum. gross. The, the stupid gum. The gum was gross. Couldn't agree more. I put Tootsie Pop all day because the final part of it is actually good. Yes. You can eat it. I w- but if we're talking about which sucker is better, the Blow Pop all yes, day. Yes, yes. Blow yep. Pop all day. The flavor of the Tootsie comes through the candy coating too yep. early. Too early. And I am not a fan of like chocolate and strawberry or chocolate and sure. orange, you know. If you had the chocolate on chocolate one. That's not so bad. That's not so bad. But you're right. The Charms, Blow Pops, Candy, like the sucker part, right. was better. Was definitely top-notch. Yeah. But then you get to the end, you're like, gum? This gum sucks. This gum sucks. And then you couldn't even get all the... You'd end up having like half sucker, half gum for a little while. Yeah. And be like, oh, this gum sucks. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> this, this, this gum sucks. This gum is horrible. All right, last one here comes from Super My Hero wants to know if we could have somebody from the 80s or 90s narrate our lives, who would we choose? And I added in here 
you cannot pick Morgan Freeman and you cannot pick David Attenborough because those are the two, of course, you want them to narrate your life. Of course. If I could have anybody from the 80s or 90s narrate my life. I'm going to choose the Micro Machines, dude. Nice. (laughs) Because (laughs) it would be hilarious. (laughs) It would be hilarious. It'd probably get really annoying, but I'm going to choose the Micro Machines, dude. I like it. Yeah, that's what I'm choosing. I put a couple because I don't, I only know this guy, Michael Caine, is who I pick, from, like, Batman and stuff, and I love him. <laughs> but I've got to assume he was in movies in the 80s oh, and 90s. Yes. Oh, so, yes. Oh, so yes. So that counts. Yes. I thought if that didn't count, since I didn't for sure know that, I put Robin Williams. Oh, that would be fun. That would be great. I've had a fun life, a pretty funny life. That would be a good narrator. And then I had done this before watching the movies, saw this email, so I also would like to say honorable mention Anthony Hopkins. Hey, why not, right? That would be great. He's got a great voice. He's got a damn good voice. Well, I'm going to throw one more out there then, too. I just thought of his name, but now I forgot it. Boom, boom. Uh, He's that guy. Malcolm McDowell. Boom, 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 boom. Nice. And then one last thing before you move on. Do you want to know how you say Michael Caine in Michael Caine's accent? Let's hear it. You say my cocaine, my cocaine, my cocaine, <laughs> hey, my cocaine, I'm my cocaine. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Oh man. Uh, well, that wraps up our emails for thank today. You. Thank you, Sandy Cheeks, aka Lauren, for the topic suggestion. It was a lot of fun. Please email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail dot com with any more homework ideas or questions for the podcast. And like I said, I challenge somebody out there who I gotta imagine it's gonna be grumpy old man who's gonna come at me with somebody who has a performance at least on par with how good Anthony Hopkins is in this movie. And make sure you check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework. Please follow us on Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. I'm trying to post regular updates and reminders on there. And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.